what's up, everybody? How we doing? Happy hump day. It's hump Wednesday. Day. It's Wednesday. I'm Spencer, there's Aaron. Uh, how we doing today? Markets are up. It uh, Tiny Pie, yes, that is a, the cost crocodile. Uh, on today's show, we are going to talk about the crocodile of Wall Street. What or who is that? Well, we will uh, talk about it. I yeah, I mean, this was a crazy story that broke yesterday. Kind of, kind of. It, it broke during the show, I think. So we didn't really have time to like talk. I I mentioned it, but we didn't I, at the time. Yeah. Did not know who the um, suspects. Yeah, the persons of in, no, per, no, uh, not even suspects. The cul culprits. Yeah, yeah, the arrestees. What what is the legal term for this? I sh we should know this. Defendants. Defendants. Uh, they're not being the sued. Accused. Accused. Either way, they uh, interesting people. We'll get more into that later in the show. Um, yeah, let us know in the chat what stocks y'all are watching. I know I've got um, my stocks that I've opened trades on. Uh, I, oh I set some stop losses. We can go over those in a second too. Uh, Roku ones I'm, I'm watching heavily right now. We, we got a lot to get to today. Uh, we have to talk about the stocks that Bill Ackman owns because we were going to do that yesterday and we forgot. We are going to talk about Disney. I got some really good stuff over from our friends at Visible Alpha. They're going to share. Uh, they, they, they did some research for us on Disney Plus's growth. We're going to talk about that because they report earnings tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, what else? The, uh, why, the market is higher. Why is the market higher today? Do we care if there is well, a reason? We, we should talk about that because yesterday uh, we, we saw that 10-year bond notes reach their like highest point since 2019, I believe, before the pandemic, and uh -oh. all the markets are still up. So we may have to throw out this notion that every time the bond yield ticks up, that means stocks have to get hit, and especially growth stocks. I mean, I think when we were in the environment of literally zero interest rates, you know, whatever, then any small hike in the bond yield in interest rates would affect stocks but now now that we're getting t toward a more normal recovered economy i don't think we have to subscribe to this idea that every single time a, a, a 10 year 10 year uh, bond ticks up that growth has to get hit today would ser certainly seem to uh i don't even know i haven't fly. looked at the bond i haven't looked at the bond markets yet oh or it, me it, it, are they still going up I should probably check before I comment. I, oh, and I, I assume they were because they have been. But uh, I did reach out to a bond uh, economics expert, the who, Bond King, who will be joining us. I don't know. You, you know what we should do on this show? Um, I would love for someone to like come on and explain the bond market to me like I'm five. Yeah, that's what this guy will do. I need him to like be as like dumber than he thinks he needs to be. Be dumber than that. Well. I, I mean, in a, in a simplified sense, from a macro econ standpoint, it's essentially uh, if the Fed's trying to heat up the economy, uh, try to encourage investments, they'll they'll lower the bond rates. If they're trying to cool down the economy, right. they'll raise right. the bond rates. But now, I mean, the the Fed's it's gotten to a point where obviously with inflation, like they they need to do something, and they what that something is. It is what they've always only know how to do, which is raise and lower rates. But right now, there are a lot of people saying eh, it might not be the best time to raise rates. There are actually signs that 
um, you know, investments are picking back up and, and the economy, you know, spending's up, all these things, that raising a rate could hit some of this natural recovery that's going on right now. We can, um, I'll bring up some data and we can talk more about this later in the show, but let's go ahead, roll the intro again. Let us know in the chat. I'm seeing some tickers out there, BKKT. Before I roll the intro, who are we talking to? We got Jesse Kaler on at, at one o'clock. Yeah, we, we got, got Ben Rasmida from uh, Story Trading, or Story Investing at uh, noon. Noon. We might be getting a cowboy from Simba Bets talk about some Super Bowl bets. If, if we can't get him, get a cowboy today, we should definitely get him on like before. before yeah, either Thursday or Friday yeah, for yeah, sure. For sure. All right, all right, all right, all right. Let's bring up my Benzinga Pro. Uh, let's go off of Peloton for a second, and let's just go to the overall market. Look, look at my watch list. It's got the uh, major indexes and the Fang stocks, and it's all green. Everything is up. Even energy is up today. When is the last time that energy was up, that oil was up on the same day that the rest of the market was up with it? I feel like the, it hasn't happened in, in, in months, I feel like. Yep. And, and I'm pulling up the Benzinga Live AB portfolio. Having Ooh. a great day. Oh, vacation is still on. Still on. Um, I, I'm holding right now these Roku calls that are up about 200%. <sighs> Baba calls up 70%. Um, I got into a TQQ call yesterday. Uh, TQQQQ. Yeah. What I said, I just gave it two Qs. I don't know. I, did, I don't think I got the third Q in there. I don't know. But I did set some, uh, you can see up here, I have these pending orders to close my calls on Roku and Baba. So if they end up dropping from here, um, I'll, I'll be able to get out still with a nice gain. But yeah, I mean, like you said, Spencer, just everything green on the watch list. Um, I'm having fun watching watching these positions go up. I'm looking for... <laughs> <Me too>. uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just looks like Roku is. Let me give this a refresh because that's not what the chart really looks like today. There we go. Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't look like Roku. I mean, let's pull this back out, see where we can potentially. Yeah, so it looks like we could run into some resistance at, at 166. But if we break through there, then uh, 167, then 185 are really our next point. So Roku is one we've been watching. Uh, one that I gave out a couple weeks ago, and this was one that. Um, well, I'll, I'll pull up the Benzinga Insider Trades page, too, because oh, I think yeah. this is always something fun to watch, especially in, in the past you know, month or so when we've seen markets draw down a little bit. A lot of these insider buyers, that's when you'll see them come in, right? When these stocks are down 10 20%, they'll say, hey, this is a good deal. Um, so we were looking at Asana because Asana CEO Dustin Moskovitz has added like some ridiculous amount of, of shares. Um, but so Asana, it's impressive. I know. I don't even know where he gets all the money from, but I guess he's from Facebook. Uh, yeah. He's a billionaire from Facebook, and he started yeah. Asana in like 08, 09. And Asana was up like 10% yesterday. And I'm in I'm in the stock. I added it to my long-term portfolio, to my Roth. It's not in my Robinhood. Hey. Um, but it was up like 10% yesterday. I was like, okay, this is the breakout I've been looking for. I was looking at some calls, but I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to let this cool down a sec. Like, I don't know. And now it's up another 10%. It was up 10% yesterday. It's up another it's up 9% right now, but it looks like it's continuing to break out. Uh, if we get above 60, I think that'll be, which we're at 60 right now, kind of a psychological level. Um, so just something to watch out for, Asana. And looking at this like chart on a long term, I mean, I know it's up 20% in the last two days. So, of course, uh, am I expecting it to kind of draw back a little bit? Sure, it's, or cool down, of course. But um, at the end of the day, this was an $80 stock in December, which was two months ago, and it's still only $60. So... I don't think the run is over for Asana. Um, again, up 20% the past two days. So uh, just throwing that out there, maybe not the perfect time to get into it, but 
Um, I, I'm still looking at this as a swing trade. Yeah, I, okay, the key word is, was, was the very end of that, which was swing trade. I think if you are looking to build medium to long-term positions in things, now is a great time to dip your toe in the water, do some buying. If you're trying to do some quick hit stuff, some short-term stuff, uh, I would not be chasing anything up here. I would not be buying Asana today to make a quick profit for the next two, like one, two to three days. No, I mean, right? look at the price action. This is the last week. It's up 25% over the last week. Yeah. So, right. Like anytime a stock moves that much in that short of a time, it's likely that there may be some sort of pullback. But we switched the time frame to three months. It's down 56% over the yeah. last three months. Yeah. So it's still well off of, of what I would consider a fair value. And, and Spencer, remind me, in a couple of weeks, maybe that if Asana keeps ripping, that it's not in my Roth as a long-term forever hold. It's it's in there as a swing trade. So I might want to sell some in my Roth at some point. Okay, the fact that you even have things in your Roth that are not forever holds. Like, I don't know. I, that, this is the that, first. I'm not going to lie to you. That concerns me. Well, that concerns me a little bit. I realize that the purpose of the okay. I know, I know, but you can trade within the Roth as long as you don't pull out the money, so you can still trade like tax free within the in the Roth. Okay. And what I realized oh, was my biggest position in my Roth was Nvidia, which I added uh, more than a year ago, like before the stock split. And at one point, my Nvidia position in my Roth was up more than like 160 percent. Um, and and in hindsight, I wish I would have sold some of it. And moved it into other things, even though Nvidia is in that long-term hold forever port or category for me. I don't know if I see as I don't I don't see Asana the same way as I see Nvidia. I don't think like oh what they're doing is changing the war you know whatever. But like I thought it was undervalued. I thought the stock should come back up. Okay. And I thought it was a good sign that the CEO was buying. Wait, it. Asana they report earnings a month from today. Yeah. So just early so March. You, just so you know that it's okay. it's March 9th. All right. So um, should I remind Bless you? you. Should I remind you before or after March 9th? I don't know. Let's do it after. Let's All ride right. with it. All right. All right. So here's the, the Benzinga Insiders trade page. Um, mm -hmm. We're looking right here. At, Wait, can you tell us how to get there real fast? Because this, this is free, by the way. Yeah. This is free for everyone. Uh, I literally just Googled Benzinga Insider Trades. Boom. And then hit the top thing. There's probably a better way. You can go to Benzinga.com slash SEC slash Insider Trades. Um, but what I like to do is I like to put a filter on here. So that way I can see like, okay, what's happened in the last week or since the last time I checked. So we're gonna go uh, from the 2nd of February to today, which is the 9th, 2022, search. Um, and then I'm gonna sort by size. So I'm gonna see what the biggest moves have been made in the past week or so. Um, Silver Spike Investment Corp. I've never heard of this, but the, the CFO and the CEO have each added more than $60 million at $14 a share. Um, that, that, to me, I mean, like I said, I've never heard of this, but now I want to check it out. Now I want to see maybe why are they adding. Oh, and here's our good friend, Dustin Moskovitz from Asana, continuing to, I mean, let's just do this real quick, because I, I do want to go through some of these more, some of these other buys that have happened in the past week or so, especially some of these bigger ones. But if I just click on Asana right here, I mean, Spencer, look at this. Okay, I'm looking. Where am I looking? You're looking? All right, so yeah. let's look over here at, at the filing date and the size. So since, all right, so it looks like he's been adding back since, like, October, maybe even before then, Wait, June. this is not in chronological order. Can you sort by? So you want the date? 
Can you sort by date? Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. All and right. then I just want to just we can ignore the whites in there. Cause yeah, because they're not dusk and mossy. Right. Exactly. Days. So look at how many. Th- we've done this exercise before, but how many times in the last call it? I know, months. but like I think he's added since the last time we've done this. February fourth. Uh, that was 4th. last. That week. was last week. Yeah. So sixty million dollars. Sixty-one million dollars. Call that one hundred and twenty. Sixty-seven. We'll call that one seventy. Um, <laughs> another forty-two. We're at two ten. Chum change. This is chum change. Three hundred million. I mean, <laughs> dude, he's put three hundred million dollars of cash into, and that's what I think is interesting right now. Now that we're sitting at sixty dollars. Well, y- y- I mean, look, he was adding at sixty. He was adding at sixty-three. He was adding at sixty-three. So that's telling me. He doesn't think sixty. That's not that's not his price target here. He doesn't think sixty is the is the ceiling. Now, essentially. now, in fairness to well, not in fairness, but like we don't know where this mo- where this is coming from. We don't know his life. For all we know, I guess we, we could look this up. But like, is he selling Facebook? Like, is is he just is he, is he just funneling money out of Facebook into Asana? Now, that's that's a metric. That's something that we can look up in that tool. Um, but we we don't know. We, there's a lot of questions. We don't know. The, the bottom line is he's just been doubling, tripling down on, on, on his own company, which I'd rather have that than, than the opposite. Than Adam Aaron. Which, uh, you so. know, this is well documented, but Zuckerberg had been selling shares of Facebook. Mm, he had been. Consistently. It's a pre-planned sale. He announced it two years ago, the Zuckerberg-Chan initiative. I am all for shitting on Zuckerberg. Um, but this has been in the works for 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 years now, so it's not necessarily indicative of his bearishness in his own company. So let's just slow down on that. Um, well, that's uh, that. Those are basically my thoughts on Asana. I mean, the the CEO Dustin Moskovitz adding those shares that was something that perked up my radar, got me to look at the stock more closely, and there were other things that I liked about it, including. Um, increasing revenue quarter over quarter, just good signs of growth. The stock had gotten to a point where I was like, "Look, I mean, it's just getting even in even in a, in a market that is getting punished. It was getting overpunished, right? I mean, so yeah. um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm not like I said. I, I'm not even swinging this. I'm not even trading this on options right now. I'm, I'm not going out there today going to buy calls or whatever. But if if tomorrow it's down through, well, I guess tomorrow we have inflation stuff too. So, but it, but CPI. at some point, if it's down four or five percent in a day, then maybe I'd start looking to to add some calls. Yeah, Mod saying he's got fifteen billion dollars. That's a, I mean that that does put it into perspective because I'm like this guy's throwing so much money in there, and you look at how much money he has, and it's like eh, it's not that much for him. Jump change. Yeah, it's like it's like me. You know, throwing some more into ETH when it like ten bucks into ETH when it goes down a little bit. That's right. Ten bucks to you is a million dollars to him. I don't know. Um, can, we, can we talk about the crocodile now? Yeah, let's okay. do it. Okay. Um, again, as Aaron said, we did mention this briefly on yesterday's show, but I didn't have time to look into it until after we were done here. And then Aaron, you sent me some 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 pretty funny things last night. Uh, the crocodile of Wall Street, Razzlecon. This is the person that apparently stole, and this is uh, so apparently, allegedly, this is the person that the U.S. government is alleging had a role in stealing uh, $4.5 billion worth of Bitcoin. $4.5 billion, I'm sorry, $4.6. $4.6 billion 
more than Bitcoin. Um, uh, Heather Morgan is her name, and then her partner, uh, gosh, um, Ilya Lichtenstein. Um, how, how does anyone steal that amount of money right there? That, that amount of Bitcoin. And also, like, this, the more you read about this, this person, you can't really read about Ilya because he, he has a, uh, he has a lower profile. Uh, I, you know, I saw he, he has like a LinkedIn. It says he, he went to Y Combinator and he graduated and, um, he started a business, but she, she's out there. She's on YouTube under the name RazzleCon. She's on For, uh, Forbes. She's a contributor to Forbes, which is, you know, anyone can be a contributor to Forbes. Uh, but she wrote some weird stuff. Um, can I read you some of these these headlines from yeah. her from her Forbes articles? All right, I, I don't know if "weird" is the right word, but just interesting when you consider the fact that she's a. Apparently- I saw her Forbes like bio as a contributor, and it was like expert in persuasion and game theory. Uh, such a. I'll re- I'll read it to you. Slimy. I'll, I'll read it to you. Um, uh, this is from the about page. Heather R. Morgan was a contributor between 2017 and 2021. Her most recent bio, she quote is an international economist, serial entrepreneur, and investor in B2B software companies. She's an expert in persuasion, social engineering, I bet she is, and game theory. She's, oh, that's, those are all three such big red flags. She is the co-founder and CEO of NPASS, which uses artificial intelligence, another red flag, to automate identity verification while proactively detecting fraud. Hmm, interesting. When she's not reverse engineering black markets to think of better <laughs> ways to combat fraud and cybercrime, she enjoys rapping and designing streetwear fashion. Combating cybercrime. And yeah. she was the head of a, or the no, mastermind th- behind a heist. They're not alleging that she stole the Bitcoin. They're alleging that her and this Ilya Lichtenstein guy had a role, though that role is unclear exactly in stealing $4.6 billion worth of Bitcoin. Yeah, Thomas Mueller, if anyone ever says they're an expert in persuasion and social engineering. And game theory. It's like, you, you where'd you go to school? Like the place for like evil the toilet store I, <laughs> I don't know like it's like it's like if you want to be like the villain in a bond movie yeah yeah you want to you want to be a social engineer yeah uh, i i don't know but, but what i what I, no okay wait, go ahead i want to talk I, like this 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 was built this was built for the memes this entire story feels like someone entered it into a meme generator and then this is what they spit out this is like you, you literally could not make this thing up. Th- this story is what everyone is what every uh, trad fi traditional finance person this is what every boomer thinks crypto is, right? This YouTube rapper lady and her partner who who allegedly stole four point six billion worth of Bitcoin. See, it's not it's not secure, is what they say. It's just like this, like crypto, you know. Um, has had a hard time getting itself taken seriously. This is why. Look at this. Look at this craziness. What were you going to say? I was going to say. I, I think outside of how funny and like crazy this story is, there is. It, it should be worth talking about, like the use case of Bitcoin. I feel like that's one of the things thrown out there by Bitcoin proponents all the time is that it's good for like anonymous money transfers and money laundering. And I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, like 
that was the the original use case for Bitcoin was the Silk Road and black uh, and like, that and worked the, out and well. The point that <laughs> that worked out really well. Well, the the whole point was okay. If I'm gonna buy, say I'm, I'm on the uh, say it's 2013 or whatever, nine ten years ago, and I was on the black market. What's it called? Dark web. I was on the dark web trying to buy weed. And Wait, you were? No, I'm saying say. Oh. I'm saying oh. hypothetically. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I could like put in my credit card that's like connected to my bank and my name, or I could send some Bitcoin that's connected to nothing. Like that was that was the original use case, right? Was yeah. Okay, here on the silk here here on the uh, Silk Road on the dark web, you can yeah. use Bitcoin, you can use crypto. It's it's untraceable. But now these heist like they're it's all on the public blockchain and then they can use the addresses to somehow trace them back and find these people i feel like it takes away from that use case of uh, of bitcoin's anonymity An anonymity anonymity yeah spencer yeah. always helps me with words yeah oh wait wait there. happy is asking a good question uh about the money being returned that's a great question happy we don't really know the answer to that yet uh so the government did seize what a hundred and uh 90 almost hundred twenty thousand bitcoin uh, for whatever it's worth, um, Heather Morgan is out on bail. She was granted bail. Uh, Did she paid a bail in Bitcoin. Hey, he'll be here all week, folks. I don't know. I don't actually know. <laughs> um, she was granted bail yesterday. She's out on. Uh, or is it, it the the bond was three million dollars. Uh, she's under house arrest at her parents. Um, his bail. Wait, she has three point five billion, but she still lives with her parents. Well, I think that's where they made her go. Uh, his bail was set at $5 million. Um, so it does look like I'm losing some capital here it, on Roku coming it down. Just, and, yes, I see those comments in the chat. People, there's dirty – all money is dirty money, right? You guys ever seen – I forget what it's called now. Um, there's that documentary series on Netflix. It, 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 I think it might be called Dirty Money, actually, um, which is just about – Financial scandals, um, all money, all currency is dirty. And then the, to the people that that say, "See, like it's not, this wasn't like Bitcoin is still secure. It's just a platform that wasn't secure." It just goes to show that nothing is secure, even if you say it is. It's not. Um, and just I think the story was made for the internet. Frankly, I just thought this was like the funniest thing that I'd seen all year, which. Is not saying a whole lot, I guess, but um, I, I can't wait to learn more about Heather Morgan. And uh, if you need to listen to her rap, uh, I'm going to put it in, uh, in 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 the chat right now. It's called it's called uh, Versace Bedouin official music video 2019. Um, this is this is your Bitcoin mastermind right here. Where's my chat? There it is. This is your Bitcoin mastermind. Yeah. Sorry guys. Um, sorry guys. Yeah, I mean I, I'm sure we'll get more developments out of this story, more memes, more importantly. Um, like you said, Spencer, just like a made for internet story. Aye. Anyway. Um nothing is secure, all money is dirty. Can't stop bad actors. You can try. I guess you can stop bad actors in some ways, but there will always be bad actors doing bad things with 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 currency. Uh, let's move on here. Um, oh, I do see. Um, wait, let me, let me, I gotta check my phone real quick. Make sure 
I told Ben the right time. I think he's coming on at 12. Okay. Um, and and so I saw someone in the chat saying that she she's just like the, the fall girl. Yeah. I mean, may, heck. If you put out YouTube videos like that and TikTok. Oh, the other we didn't even discuss. The, the TikTok I sent Spencer last night, it was of her, like, oh, yeah. it was basically she was like, Here's a mantra I learned in Silicon Valley. <laughs> and it was, what was it? It was like, she was like I, eliminate, I, delegate. Wait. And it's like, okay, if you're taking like life advice from like entrepreneur and delegate is one of like the three things, it's like, oh, don't actually work. Wait. Find people mm -hmm. to do the work that you should do instead. Like, that's just terrible advice. She literally in this thing was like, this is the mantra I live by. Okay. And 33% of it was delegate. How I built a multi million dollar business in my 20s was zero outside funding. Hmm. Don't know about that. Zero um, outside funding. Uh, she had no connections, no trust fund, and is not an Ivy Leaguer. Let's see what her advice is. Uh, she met with some billionaire tech executives, though she did not say who, to, to, that taught her a simple framework. Automate, eliminate, delegate, and then hack. And no, that last part was not, was not in there. All right, automate, eliminate, delegate. So basically, sounds good on paper. Yeah, basically, automate so you can so you don't have to hire like not real people that you have to pay wages to can do those jobs. We can find softwares and robots that can do that for us. Yeah, um, delegate so for the stuff that can't that robots and AI can't do. You don't find do, other people find to other do people to do it for you. What okay. was the other one? Uh, eliminate. Yeah, automate, eliminate, delegate, and any like criticism or anything negative in your life, just eliminate. And there you go. That's, That's all you it. need. I just can't. I just can't believe it. And like, yeah, I like, what if this just, this just like to the people out there that are like, Bitcoin is a giant Ponzi scheme. This is certainly helping that argument. <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this whole thing is a gigantic Ponzi scheme. I have no idea. Yeah. And then, so we are bringing uh, Ben on from, uh, from story trading here in a few yes. minutes. We're going to talk about rumble. We're going to talk about some other stocks, maybe do a check in back on AEHR. I'm ready to rumble. Um, yeah, let's get that. I did see someone in the chat. I don't think they mentioned it in this context, but they mentioned Pelosi. So we should talk about uh, the new stock, okay. the new stock trading ban. I was going to say after Ben, but we could touch on it real quick. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm encouraged by it. Look, I mean, y you have this issue that was once kind of owned by not Democrats but progressives, and is now it's it's kind of like the horseshoe theory, right? I think you have people on like the far left and far right that are both like yeah that's bullshit like uh congress people shouldn't be able to trade stocks and a bunch of people in the middle that have been yeah. like establishment republicans and democrats haven't really cared about it yeah you, you got the the liberals the, the liberals the conservatives and as you get more more radical you get closer closer together right? yeah exactly yeah. so i think it's people that are more on the you know on the kind of like far ends of, of, of either side are coming together and saying this is not something that should happen. Nancy Pelosi came out and said she supports this, which, of course, she's been the one that uh, has gotten like the most flack as a trader. Although, we should look at this graphic from, uh, and, and we'll do this when we talk about this more after Ben, but yeah. from Unusual Whales, who, credit to him, I, yeah, think, I, I think this, like, I don't think this happens without Unusual Whales. Unusual Whales really kicked off a lot of this, this scrutiny and movement to look at what... Um, the, the funniest thing to me is like Pelosi has gotten obviously like this huge flack for being like a great trader. I think it's because she's the most famous out of all these politicians. But looking at the chart of uh, the different politicians, Pelosi's not even like in the top five of like top performers. <laughs> she's not even good at it. 
She, no, one, two, three, four, five. She's sixth. Oh, really? So we'll we'll take a look at this after yeah, that. Can I, uh, yeah, I'll, yeah. We'll talk more about this. My my take honestly is like this is this is cool. This is good. Congressmen should not be allowed to trade stocks, but also like on the spectrum of problems that we have in this country, this is so so far down the list of things that matter. Is, is that a hot take? This is so far down the list of things. We have so many bigger problems I would than say congressmen I, insider trading. Yeah. Right. I would say money in politics is a way bigger issue, and this is kind of a, a like schism, schism, like a, a small sliver of that, right? Okay. No, I mean, think about it. Slice. This is a, yeah, if you're, I mean, there, there was just a story today about um, some guy that resigned because he was a big shareholder in like Pfizer and BioNTech, and he was like, a proponent of vaccines whatever bottom whatever. line is if you're a big shareholder like say your portfolio is 50 percent nvidia and you're a congressperson like the idea is that some of those decisions but it's the same idea that okay yeah. if, if you're tied to donors that have a lot of money it's going to drive your decisions so it, it it is the bigger issue of just money influencing politics and policies in general but within that, I don't think the insider trading thing is the biggest no. issue of that. Yeah. It's more just like super PACs. Super PACs are evil. All right, yeah. let, let's let's bring Ben on the show right now. Let, let's see what's on his radar today. Let's give Ben the special intro and uh, first guest of the day coming up right now. <laughs> ben, how we doing? What's up? How you doing, Spencer? Good to see you. Hi, Aaron. Ben, it's been too long. It's been a while. We've been uh, we've been busy publishing a bunch of articles through Benzinga, but I haven't been on the show in a while, so glad to be back. Well, we're still here. We're at our desk doing our doing our thing, watching the markets. What are you watching out there? Wow. Well, you know what? It's been uh, kind of a inflection week for me personally in my trading portfolio. Oh, my tell us why. <laughs> My largest position has been Rumble CFBI for about since the merger was announced uh, with that SPAC. It's been about two months. I've just been holding it. And uh, last week I identified an inflection and I was like doubling down. I was all over social media telling people the inflection points here, get into the stock now. So, I mean, the stock's up, I don't know, at least 40% this year. And uh, it turned what, my trading account the, into the what green. What was the inflection point that you saw last week? So I do have a bunch of slides I, I do want to go through, but just generally speaking, I mean, you know, the story trading method is looking at the four pillars. So we're looking at sentiment, catalyst, technicals, and fundamentals. So I'm looking at everything. And there was just a, a lot of different factors coming in together. Last week before the Joe Rogan incident already, there was a record metrics uh, that were shared by the company, which I kind of knew was coming because I'm, I'm looking at app ranking data. I'm looking at... Uh, January, early January, a lot of traffic coming in to the site. So they released record metrics, 10.8 billion minutes watched in January, 39 million monthly active users. So that already started uh, causing the stock to decouple from DWAC because it's been tied to the hip with DWAC. Um, And since that press release and even a couple days before Joe Rogan, you started seeing the performance diverge as people are starting to understand that this is a stock that has the sentiment benefit of a DWAC, but it also has great fundamentals behind it. So that's why I love this position. It's my largest position. So you saw um, the the app, the 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 activity on the Rumble app, uh, but that's that that is only one 
one one pillar. That's one of the four pillars. So that's like one what, of the four pillars. What else did you see? So you know, maybe right now what I'll do is share a few slides I have over here. And, yes, please. Uh, sure. Let's see here. Okay. There we go. All right. Quick disclaimer: I'm not a financial advisor, so let's move on from that. So uh, this is Rumble. So for those of you who are not familiar, it's a SPAC that Cantor Fitzgerald sponsored. It's CFBI, last trade 16 bucks. Uh, the valuation was at $2.1 million at $10. So that's an implied market cap after all the new shares are issued at $3.36 billion at, at today's, roughly today's price. So uh, that's what we try to do... That, that's a large valuation. Well, $3.6 billion for a company this young, but all right. Yeah, well, I'll show you some metrics. I think it's worth at least double that right now, or at least $5 okay. billion. Dollars. So let's, um, let's hear it. All right. So here's the chart, and uh, you can see here, uh, you know, it had the initial pop, then you had a pullback, and you had this move here in early January um, when Trump started streaming some stuff, and then most recently, we know what's been happening. So trying to understand the chart uh, based on these four pillars, fun sentiment, catalyst, fundamentals, and technicals. So fundamentals, I said, it could be worth double. Here's some slides I'm going to show you from the Cantor Fitzgerald deck. Um, I also did my own research correlating monthly active users with market cap. Uh, and I'm at, at a 39 million, I think is what they just reported. We'll show it in a second. At 39 million, you can make an argument. It's worth at least $5 billion comparing it to other social media companies. And of course, you can discount that because it's not fully monetized yet, but you can maybe add a premium back because of the very high growth and consider it a wash. That's how I'm looking at it. So I think this stock, uh, before any of the Joe Rogan stuff, is probably worth around 25 bucks. Um, here's some metrics, engagement metrics that were shared. But it, it, it's important to note that this is not just a YouTube alternative. Also from the Cantor Fitzgerald deck, they're getting into video streaming, email services, uh, cloud services, storage, cloud hosting, and uh, the reason that they have that opportunity is, quite frankly, because what happened with, with Parler. Now, you can agree or disagree with Parler, but I know firsthand from, I mean, a big swath of people in the business world, what Amazon Web Services did to Parler uh, on January 10th or 11th, just pulling them off the Internet. That's the catalyst which is living forever. That's the catalyst which is causing a parallel economy to be built. This is the reason, the impetus, why people are moving over, even if they think they'll never be banned from Amazon Web Services, but it's just that security, it's a philosophical thing. If there's an alternative, they're going to an alternative. They're not going to stick with Amazon because people just thought that was beyond a red line, just pulling uh, Parler off of the internet completely. So we can see here that it's, again, not just a YouTube alternative. They already have a partnership with Trump's future platform, DWAC, which, by the way, I don't like. Um, even get to that in the end. I don't think that's a good investment at all. But they're providing the cloud services for the uh, DWAC app, Truth Social. Um, also, uh, they are investing in their own payment processor. Uh, they just bought a, I don't know how much, but they just invested in a company called Parallel Economy to build their own payment processor. And this is all about creating that parallel economy with that impetus, you know, the big tech, uh, they have the discretion to deperson and ban any kind of organization they want. So this is the lane that was opened for Rumble to come in here. And, you know, as a result, we see last week before the Joe Rogan thing, um, February 3rd, 
Uh, new highs were uh, reported in January, 10.8 billion, million, 10.8 billion minutes watched, 39 million monthly active users. I put together a chart with the help of uh, Niraj at Story Trading. It's a great follow on Twitter, by the way. Um, this is data points that I put together from interviews, from public tweets, and from press releases. This is a monthly chart of monthly active users. And you can see it's not a record every single month, but it's there uh, stepping its way higher with higher lows. And right now we're at 39 million monthly active users. And again, I refer you back to this chart. You can look at these market caps. This is a little bit old before the crash. But even now, you know, after the crash at 39 million monthly uh, active users, I think it could be worth at least $5 billion. And again, that doesn't include the cloud services. That doesn't include... Uh, uh, on locals, which I, I barely even talked about, which is an excellent platform that they bought recently, um, social uh, media platform. So, and then you guys know about what happened with Joe Rogan, right? So Joe Rogan, you want me to pause there? <laughs> yeah. Well, no. I I wanted to. There was a lot. There was a lot there. So uh, maybe before we get to to Joe Rogan, um, sure. The. The core here is the video platform, right? There is some other stuff that you just mentioned. There is the expansion into cloud and all that, but like the core, the core here is still the, still the video, right? It's still the player. The thirty-nine million monthly active users—that's for right. the player, right? But that's the, I that, think, and that's the biz. That's still the business as it stands right now, right? Um, maybe as it stands right now, but the market's forward-looking. And uh, the reason a lot of people are invested, including myself, is because of the greater opportunity in cloud services. Okay. Okay. So th that that to you that to you is where the opportunity is. Um, and th a, so th mm -hmm. let's go to the Joe Rogan thing because I kind of thought this was a. Yeah. Th I, th I thought this was this was the whole thing was stupid. Honestly, I I, I looked. I, I, let's get your take on it, and then and then we can sure. discuss. Yeah. Sure. All right. So Joe Rogan, real interesting event. I think it, it, the way it played out was very good for the company, but it's not really about Joe. This move to 16, I think, was going to happen anyway. Maybe the timing was a little diff different, but again, they had the record metrics last month. But first, I want to put out there that there is context. Joe Rogan already in the past, there's a video out on this, but he was saying, hey, if I could be on Rumble, I would be. But he has a contract with Spotify. He can't be, Right. And this was in the Cantor Fitzgerald deck. So from day one, you know, Rumble has been out there kind of trying to associate themselves with Joe Rogan, um, maybe planting a seed so they can possibly get him in the future, right? So uh, we know, or uh, people keeping up know that they put this offer out for 100 million bucks and over four years. And we got the backstory uh, from Dave Rubin yesterday, who was the founder of On Locals, who now is working for Rumble. Um, about this offer. And it turns out that offer was very real. This was cleared by their accountant, cleared by their attorney. Uh, it really is $100 million over uh, four years, again, approved by accountant and legal. But to me, it's not about that because the chances he's going to leave Spotify now are probably close to zero, okay? But what it signifies, uh, here we go, it signifies to me it shines a light on the opportunity. This whole incident with Joe Rogan shines a light on the opportunity about censorship, that there is an alternative, and it also shows that the company is aggressive. They've met the moment, very social media savvy. Uh, I'm going to tell a little story in just a second about how hungry this team is, not only publicly, but privately. Um, in fact, here it goes. 
So I connected with Rumble because we were interviewing the CEO of Fun, P-H-U-N, which is mm -hmm. associated in this Trump ecosystems of stocks, uh, DWAC, CFBI, Fun, and a couple others. So I, uh, I was doing an interview with Fun, and uh, people on social media are like, don't do it on YouTube, do it on Rumble. So I contacted Rumble to figure out how to set up live streaming. And we're a little tiny company, story trading. We're like a little nothing compared to, to, to yeah. you guys, right? So, but they... They really went after us to make sure we got onboarded. They immediately set up a Zoom with me. Um, this team here, you can see, what is that? 11.30, 11.55 p.m. at night. This guy's working Eastern Standard, right? Um, again, here's another email. I told him I found the bug. They fixed the bug like two days later, put an app, uh, update out on the store, emailed me at 12.59 in the morning. They were very, very aggressive. They got me onto the Zoom. They showed me how to uh, port over to... Um, rumble and in fact look at this there's a one button way to sync all of your videos from youtube to rumble right i was not planning on doing that at all i was like i don't want another platform to put stuff on and you know what it may be controversial people may not want it there right I said i just want to go do this one live stream with fun but as it turns out it was just like two clicks why not and then voila a few hours later all of our videos on youtube were on rumble and we started getting all kinds of uh, views on them and man, you guys got to tell Jason and Luke about this. I, with just a couple of clicks, you can get all the Benzinga videos on Rumble. You know, I had someone who we interviewed were like, oh, you're going on Rumble. I don't know if I want my thing there. You know, can you remove it? But then after I actually put it up and he saw that it, it was getting views and people are using it, he changed his mind, even though he's like left wing. So, I mean, this is a great business opportunity, especially since the platform is young to be there early. You can grow your follower count, count quick, very, very easy to sync everything up. And for me, it all adds up to this. Uh, because of that Joe Rogan situation, combined with the record metrics, combined with how I see that this team is so hungry, this was at like $12 I posted this on social media uh, last week. Uh, catalyst and sentiment have reached escape velocity. Technicals are not yet there, but they'll follow. Technicals are a lagging indicator. That's how story trading works. It's my largest position. I haven't sold any, by the way. Moved up from like 12 to 18 and a half, still haven't sold my largest position. I'm thinking maybe I can make a seven-figure profit on this just like I did with Air. Air was the first seven-figure profit in my life uh, last year, and I'm, I'm thinking I have a chance to do it here. Um, what, what, what are you in from on, on CFVI? Uh, maybe my average is down 1260 or 1270. Okay. Um, I did lose some money on options every month. I keep playing some options, so, uh, but gained it back. So anyway, my average is around 1270. But um, here, here's the deal. DWAC, which I don't think is a good investment. I'll put a little note why in a second. But uh, we saw that stock go from like 10 to 50 in day one, and then 50 to 175 the next day. And we talked about this extensively at Story Trading, that that move to 50 was all about sentiment. It's people buying the stock for ideological reasons who are holding with diamond hands. And I believe what happened with Joe Rogan is an additional catalyst for people to view CFEI as an ideological play to say, I don't like what's happening with Joe Rogan. I don't, there's, there's a light being shown on censorship, whether they get Joe Rogan or not, not the point, right? But here's a platform which is not going to censor people, and I'm going to hold this stock ideologically with diamond hands, and I believe the float is being soaked up and absorbed to set up uh, some sort of squeeze, you know, to 20s, 30s, 40s uh, in the next few weeks to few months. That's my thesis on it. I think it's a ticking time bomb, but... Um, I think this is a lot different than DWAC for the people. Oh, Ben's just doing the sentiment and it's a garbage company. No, D 
DWAC is completely speculative. It's too expensive. They have a $1 billion death spiral financing pipe, which I, I don't think we have time to get into today. But with CFBI, with Rumble, you get that same sentiment tailwind, but with much better fundamentals. And I think I'm watching social media. I see the shift happening. I also see it on the charts. CFBI has been tied to the hip with DWAC. Uh, but the last week or so, it's not before the Joe Rogan, after the, uh, re- the record numbers came out, they started diverging. And CFBI is starting to take the leader p- leadership position in this segment of, quote unquote, Trump stock. So that's my uh, thesis on Rumble. And I am holding with diamond hands right now. So I understand your point about the Joe Rogan thing being not about Joe Rogan. That being said, if you pull up a chart, and as I will right now, CFVI, you can clearly see the chart reacted specifically to the Joe Rogan headline. That that offer was made on Monday. Uh, this The stock spiked, made its all-time high on, on, on Monday. I think those two are related. And so yes. even if it wasn't a real – well, all right, I, I guess there were – the word real offer is is subjective. My 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 take on the offer was like, sure, maybe like it was it was made in good faith, but it was not and not an offer that that would be seriously considered in in any way. It seemed like Joe Rogan and Spotify were on the exact same page this entire time, and that there is basically very little chance of him leaving the platform. So to me, it, it was just a cheap way for the company to sort of capture some headlines. And so I thought that's what the move was for on Monday. Now that move uh, on Monday, at least, did not sustain itself, but it 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 it, it seemed like a lot of those gains have held, you know, for the last couple of days. Um, so I kind of thought that that headline, the Joe Rogan thing with Rumble, was was just was just noise. It was just it was just noise. It was there was no reason to take that seriously at all, despite the fact that the stock went from what did it go from thirteen to to eighteen. Um, to me, it just wasn't serious. It Well, I think it may not be serious in what's the likelihood Joe Rogan will accept it. In that viewpoint, you can say it's not serious. But in terms of, again, how serious is this? How serious is Rumble? I think they are serious. If Joe Rogan, if something happened with Spotify and it fell off there, they would take him in a heartbeat, I believe. And they have the money. I think they're getting $400 million from the, uh, from the uh, merger with CFEI. So, and again, I think it shines a light on what's going on, which is very, very important. And it shows how hungry this team is. It's not just Joe Rogan. If you see, they're on social media all the time grabbing anyone, not just for censorship reasons, but anyone who has any problem with YouTube, they're like publicly telling them, come on, join Rumble right now. We'll get you onboarded. And they're that aggressive publicly, and they are that aggressive privately with customer service. So it's definitely... They're all in, they're hungry, and they're doing everything they can, both publicly and privately, to onboard anyone who has any kind of issue with mainstream social media. Right. Can we go back to a few slides on your thing to some of those those metrics real fast? Sure. Did, did, you, did you have the user metrics up there? Yeah, I'll grab I them. Want to, uh, I want to get those up real fast because I want to see those again because there we go. Do, 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 do. All right, this is the monthly there active we go. users. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what I want to see. So it's a little bit hard to see the numbers here. So it looks like that number on the right says third, 39 million. Say? Sorry about the okay, 39, 39 okay, million so, on the far right. Yeah, okay. 39 million monthly active users. That's as of January of this year, right? January. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, 39 million. It's actually it's more lot. than I would have thought. It's a lot. 
There's a lot of content on there. Um, well, I, I've been, I've been I, I using think, the app myself. <laughs> I, I think what's interesting here, and, and I got to do that, Ben, I got to just get on Rumble and actually like explore it, see, see everything what's out. What I've yeah. found in, in actually researching this is through um, in the last couple of years, right, we, we've seen an uptick of criticism over big tech, uh, you know, for deplatforming certain people, censoring and to, to be fair, it's mostly of, uh, you know, on, on like right wing voices, but there have been instances of, of, you know, whether it's Reddit, Twitter, whoever taking down some like prominent left wing voices as well. Um, a lot of these alternative platforms have popped up, right? Whether it's Gab, Getter, Parler. And they failed. Uh, through Truth Social. And they've all failed pretty much for the same reason that they can't get enough users because it's not essentially people will go on parlor and they're just seeing the same thing you know whatever twitter's interesting because you see different takes whatever so until if rumble can prove to me that it's not just getting you know right-wing uh content creators on there and, and right-wing users if it if it if it truly becomes like a true marketplace of ideas and, and the user counts keeps growing then i i do think rumble is more interesting than some of those other names i mentioned between parlor gab yeah. getter uh what are some other true social? I mean, there's all those all those ideas out there. I, I just think uh, that there's a reason some of these other ones haven't worked in the past. So I'd be curious if if Rumble's over able to overcome those obstacles yeah. that the other platforms have run into. Sure, I, I think I agree with some of what you said, but but I think the reason that Parler and Gab didn't succeed is Gab's app was never ever approved. They never had a I and you can't succeed without a smartphone app. And Parler, they were kicked off as a smartphone app. Now they came back later, but they totally lost their momentum because of that. So I think actually the biggest risk this company has is if Apple or Google decides, you know what, let's just ban, uh, let's just ban Rumble too. Uh, they banned Parler and they didn't ever allow Gab on. So I'm actually a little curious why they do allow uh, Rumble on because there's a lot of content on there that is banned on YouTube. You can't, you know, the anti-vax stuff you can't say on YouTube, and a lot of the content is anti-vax stuff on Rumble. Um, and uh, questioning the election you can't have on YouTube. A lot of the content is about that, right? So, and Apple and Google, could they just make a decision any day to ban them? Maybe. So I think that's the biggest risk uh, that exists, and I think that's also the biggest reason why those other platforms didn't take off. You, you make a good point about can they get, you know, cat and dog videos and music videos and people from the center. I mean, they got Alan Dershowitz recently, which is which is center, I believe, uh, to, to come on. Well, um, <laughs> I I don't know if that's the barometer we want to go yeah. for right now. <laughs> it's early days, really but you know, know what? <laughs> but listen, you know what? Even if they don't get there, I'm not saying this is going to displace YouTube, but yeah. unfortunately, listen, I I wish this was not the world we lived in. But because of the policies at YouTube of certain things you can't talk about, they're forcing the creation of two different platforms. And, you know, maybe maybe that is, you know, a niche for them, right? Maybe they don't get as big as YouTube or displace YouTube, but maybe that's where you go for alternative content. And I think the market is very big and, and big enough for that. Uh, remember, it's not just the U.S. It's a worldwide market. So, you know, I can see them what about growing the SPAC, for a long time to come. What about the SPAC risk here? I mean, at the end of the day, this is still a SPAC, and the merger hasn't even gone through yet. I haven't heard any. I, I know DWAC does have a little bit because there's some potential investigation going on because they apparently perhaps maybe knew that their target was uh, Truth Social before uh, the SPAC launched, which, which is illegal. So that's something that's being investigated. So that's a possible. And also there's political reasons why 
people may want to stop Trump uh, from that deal going through. But I have not heard anything, not even rumor or any, you know, hints of wrongdoing regarding this merger. So I'm not I'm not worried about that. All right. I, I would say this, Ben, I appreciate your um, your thoughtfulness on this. Um and I, I, I don't know. I don't know if you've convinced me, uh, although you do have me interested in this MAU chart. I, I think I'll pro- we'll probably that's probably the number, the one number to rule them all. If the MA, if the MAUs keep growing, then that 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 changes everything. And if they collapse, that changes everything as well. Um, so uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that number going forward. Uh, do you know anything about the timeline here on, on this on this SPAC merger or, or no? Uh, Q2 is all we have. Q2. That's specific. Mm-hmm. All right. So I guess yeah. we'll have to wait, wait and see for that. Um, and I, I, I meant to ask him this, but someone asked in the chat, so I'll just relay it to you. Do you have a price target? I think price targets are yeah. stupid, but do you uh, have a price target? I, I personally do. For some, I'm overweight now, and I have some options. So, um, you know, it went to 1850. I didn't sell yet. I, I'm targeting like 20 to 25 to start. I think at 20, I'll start okay. taking some off the table. That, that's a much area. better question. At what at what point do you start to sell? So you said twenty. At, at, if it gets to twenty, you start to lighten up. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. that. That's really good insight. I, mm-hmm. I would much rather know that than like, oh, I think the stock could go to fifty in five years. No. No one. No one holds. Maybe some people hold a thousand percent gainers, but most normal people don't. So um, okay. Hey, at work 20, there. <laughs> at, at, at twenty, you start lightening up. Uh, yeah, which is actually not that far away from now. So, all right, um, yeah. that that's good to know. Uh, the, again, I appreciate the insight here. I, I appreciate appreciate the 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 research and the thoughtfulness into it. Um, and I think we should probably have more of this on the show, Aaron, because even if we don't necessarily agree, it's I I'll give you props on uh, the argument was was. I I agree with yeah, everything was, Ben said. I not, just I just was not not convincing. My, my only, uh, I guess, criticism or like worry about the stock is what I stated. Just there have been a number of these platforms that have had like the same yeah. idea, right? That's the story behind it. Is we need an alternative to Facebook, Twitter, right. uh, you know, big tech. We need a, a free speech alternative, and these other platforms have failed to really grow and capture your user base. And it looks like from what we can see so far that rumbles overcoming that. So um, I, I think we, we just got to stay on top of this story. Yeah. Uh, ben, we'll, we'll have to bring you on to give and, uh, more updates on Rumble. And of course, Rumble's not the only stock you're watching or, or looking at. So maybe next time you'll, you'll have something else too. And we can also do a touch back on Rumble. But yeah, I mean, um, bottom line, I, I, I think this story is worth worth watching. Let's not, let's not act like the big tech companies don't all have relationships like they're competitors but they're also friends right so like apple oh yeah and apple and when they Google, when they took, when they want to be friends they're they, friends when they took trump mm-hmm. off last year yeah. they all did it within like an hour of each other right yeah. it was like mm-hmm. youtube and yeah. google banned trump and then so did twitter and so did facebook oh they're like, talking all within to each other for sure yeah, yeah exactly yeah, they're enemies but they're friends when they want to be yeah. as well all right ben um appreciate you coming on as always you know you have an open invite if i have uh, if i have a minute i i yeah. i Okay, because it's a very timely thing regarding the Super Bowl. Uh, I was on uh, Wolf Financial Spaces last night. If you guys, it's a great show, by the way. And yeah, Gab's I, coming I had, on next week. Oh, good. So I had a couple ideas for the Super Bowl. There are two stocks in the story trading universe, which are VIP picks. Very quickly, it's uh, Wallbox, WBX, and SoFi, which uh, you, you all know SoFi. Wallbox, I mean, these are all multi-billion dollar companies. And um, 
Wallbox has a couple Super Bowl commercials coming out. In prior years, I've always noticed is the pop Monday morning on companies that have uh, Super Bowl commercials. And it's also electric vehicle charging. And you got DC FD. DCFC, which is up, yeah, over 100% in two days. It's an EV charging stock, and they're meeting with Biden or something. So I think there's a sentiment tailwind in EV charging. What was that one? Super Bowl? DCFC? Oh, you don't know about DCFC? DCFC? (laughs) It's like, it's 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 up 72% today, man. Yeah, and it was up like 60% yesterday. So that's an EV charging stock. You should have told us about it two days ago. Well, I didn't, yeah. But um, yeah, they're meeting with Biden. Yeah, and they're doing. No, like, I don't know factory. about this, but now I do. So now thank you, you do. All right. So uh, that's giving. I... <laughs> ben, go. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's giving you a little bit of a sentiment tailwind to EV charging stocks, and then you got the Super Bowl Sunday night. So Wallbox is something I, I bought as a trade. I'm selling that okay. either Friday as an event anticipation or Monday morning after the Super Bowl, and SoFi maybe even bigger. Everyone knows SoFi, but how many people know Super Bowls at SoFi Stadium? Maybe people who are really into football know it, <laughs> but right. okay. I think that okay. stock can, can uh, surge Monday morning. I cannot wait. If that happens, and I say this as someone who put so fine his, you know, long-term portfolio here, and I'm very underwater. If if we do get Monday morning pops on Super Bowl commercials, Aaron, let's just start smacking off. Uh, I'm selling start, them. Just start selling into all. I'm that selling crap. Monday morning. I yeah, well, selling to all of it. Last last year we had the uh, the lucid. Just start hitting bids. Sorry. Yeah, last year we had the lucid uh, motors that ran after a Super Bowl commercial. Did it? Yeah. I don't even remember that. It was still a spac at the point. It was what was it? CCIV. Remember CCIV? Yeah. That the CCIV spac was running because Lucid aired a commercial. Really. I have no recollection of that happening. Yeah. All right. I think. Yeah, I believe so. it. All right. Good All ben, right. We, we've got your Super Bowl plays now. Again, thank you for coming on. It's been too long. Look forward to, to having you on again soon. <laughs> Sounds good, guys. Have a good day. All right. Peace. All right. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Someone in the chat said this. Uh, Ben's research research tells the story. I mean, his story. That's story, the name story, of his story, thing. Story, story, story See, it all makes so, sense. So it all comes back around. But um, Thomas is saying, yes, yeah, CCIV ran to 60. I guess we can look at the chart and see. I don't remember it happening after the Super Bowl per se. Well, I think the Super, I think the commercial got leaked the week. Like it was probably like this day uh, last year, you know, uh, like a week before the Super Bowl. Okay. All right. Uh, a- a- okay. No, happy. I'm pretty sure it was a Super Bowl commercial, but I, I think it got leaked before the Super Bowl. Is what I'm saying. Um, all right, real quick, real quick, checking up on the chat. Creel Paul. I don't know how I'm saying that. Yeah, I, I, I think that's funny. Kind of funny, but it. <laughs> Probably would be a good exercise, know. right? Like to really, truly test, like if if these companies are uh, really proponents of free speech or just yeah. certain speech that they think is being censored. Uh, I know that was I I don't know off the top of my head, and I don't want to say anything wrong, but I'm pretty sure like Gab or Parler or one of those companies did get into criticism for their like, wait, you guys did the exact thing you were talking about, but to a, like a leftist voice. So. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, this whole thing, I, I really haven't wrapped my head around it because, like, we talked about this the other day, and like, I believe in freedom of speech, like, to the to my core. But like, does are there are there limits to that, or like, does that mean you can say like anything you want about anything, no matter how hateful or destructive? I mean, I don't know. I I don't really know where I stand, so I, I don't. I, I haven't like. I can't really wrap my head. I'm, around I'm a proponent of the idea of saying, okay, at this point. I don't know. Social, you know, social media is 
like if you're net negative well god i don't think it's yeah i I think it's generally but i think if you're taken off of um twitter facebook youtube you're effectively taken out of out of the political discourse so the point of the first amendment is to make sure that you can't be essentially like ostracized from the um, political sphere from from political discourse just because someone disagrees with what you said so i would support you know amendments to basically making um you know freedom of speech a right like ingrained in some of these apps because otherwise then it then it really is up to we're letting facebook twitter decide like okay what can i so in in other words just to make us less reliant on the tech platforms in general that's probably that's probably exactly the problem with that though is like the whole reason we're in this situation is in the first place is because they're really good at what they do and the government is not good at that and when i say that i mean like like Twitter and Facebook built the best communication platforms, right? Like, they just they they, they did. It's, yeah, it's not you know like kudos to them for building amazing platforms. Now we're stuck in this this weird well, situation crowd. where we need them, but we also don't want to need them, but we do need them. Right. But we I don't and crowd Paul, that, that's a point that you know I brought up the other day when we were talking about this stuff is like the idea is like okay yeah. Trump, someone who's been deplatformed on on Twitter, yeah. Facebook, all these things, his First Amendment right really hasn't been taken away because he can still right. go out on the street corner and say whatever he wants to say or right. write a book and disseminate it or get his information out there another way. But what I'm saying is we've gotten to a point now in 2022 where essentially your political if you're off all those platforms, you're stripped from the from the from the discussion. Okay, I, I think I have a take here. Okay. The market will decide. Okay. If if you really did get deplatformed off Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and whatever and and, and AWS, which is a whole other thing, but um, if 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 that happens to enough people, a viable competitor will emerge. This goes back to what Ben was just saying. Yeah, it could right? be Rumble. A viable competitor will emerge, um, and that's a question that the big tech platforms are going to have to grapple with. That 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 they are grappling with. And uh, Colleen, I, I think Facebook sucks too, but I mean, come on, they're the largest social media platform in the world. They must be a little bit good, right, at what they do. Um, a lot better than TikTok. But in terms, the of- market will decide. That's the takeaway here. If you know, yeah. we, we don't have, we have basically a duopoly on cloud platforms in this country. We have a duopoly on uh, social media. Well, not quite a duopoly, but uh, um, a call. We'll call it a cartel, right? Because you got you got Facebook, which owns Instagram and WhatsApp. You've got Twitter. You got TikTok. Um, I guess Snapchat, and that's pretty much it, right? So you have a you have a social media cartel, you have a duopoly on cloud with Microsoft and Amazon, uh, mostly. There are a couple other ones, and they're like Oracle. Um, well, I actually just thought about it. And it seems like it wouldn't be that it's but, not, yeah, terribly complicated, right? I, I think platforms I like Twitter and Facebook they can choose between either being a publisher or a forum or platform. And if you opt for being a former platform, which is so right now, all the big tech companies um, and, and agree, they have way too much power. They, they get the best of both worlds. They have the power of a publisher to kind of pick and choose like what they want to, um, you know, promote and whatnot or take off. But they have the, the legal freedoms of a forum saying, oh, we're not liable for this misinformation yeah, spread yeah. on Twitter. It's not us. That's that's Trump spreading it or whatever. I think if you want to opt to be a, a forum, like a 
a place where anyone can post whatever, then there ha- then there know. has to be freedom of speech built in. There can't be any deplatforming, censoring, whatever. I don't know. These are questions that if you're a publisher, theoretically should have been addressed a decade, a decade or two ago. Well, it was in in two. I mean, Section two thirty was written in like nineteen ninety five. That's man. the problem. Is it was it was in the very <laughs> beginning of the internet. At the time, it wasn't like. Oh, if yeah. you're stripped off of this website, you're taken out of the, the political discourse. Yeah. Now it is. Which, going back to Cal Pol's point. I don't know. I, I think at the time, 230 made sense. But now the world has changed. And social media, internet's different than it was in 1995 than yeah. it was today. This whole conversation can be made moot by the metaverse, by the way. That's a whole other thing. Uh, real quick, uh, let's do some quick education. Aaron Bryan asked, what does days to cover mean when looking at an open short interest position, think of days to cover as sort of a measure, uh, basically like a comparison of like how much of a stock's, uh, how much of the, of the stock is sold short compared to its its daily volume, right? So like days to cover essentially measures like uh, I think the calculation is current uh, uh, share sold short divided by daily volume right and the 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 real implication here is like the higher the days to cover the more the longer it will take for all those shares uh i'm I'm not explaining it very well it's basically a measure of like how outlandish is the uh short interest on this stock compared to this the amount that it normally trades per day if you have a stock that trades a uh, hundred shares a day, and there's like a thousand shares that are sold short. That's ten days to cover. That's a that's a large number, right? That's a large number. But if you it's it, it's a relative thing, right? Uh, it and it, it it just helps you paint a picture in your head. It helps you paint a picture of like how much of the company shares are sold short compared to the current the the, the daily volume, which is like. The, the, the daily activity of the stock. Higher number just means whoa, whoa. This is there's a lot there's there's a lot sold short here. Uh, shorter number means okay, this this is manageable, right? So daily uh, short interest of a hundred uh, or uh, short yeah short interest of a hundred shares, daily volume of a uh, thousand shares, not a very big deal. Short interest of a hundred, daily volume of ten. Very big deal. Um, I hope I explained that correctly. Yeah, that was a good okay, explanation. Thank you. I just saw that question in the chat, and I wanted to get to it. Uh, it's twelve forty. I want to talk about Disney before we forget. We have a few more things we got to do, and we're, we're going to bring Jesse Killer at one o'clock. I want to do Disney. I want to do crypto update. I want to go through Bill Ackman stocks again because we didn't do it yesterday. We we, we forgot to do that. Um, I want to do. Uh, I want to talk about interest rates for a second too. Oh no! Why? Interest rates. Yeah. All right. Wake me when it's over. Okay. You want to do it right now, then? Uh, yeah. What do you have to say about? I, what do you have to say about interest rates? I just there's some new data coming out. Oh boy. That shows that a lot of this. All right. So we're gonna get the inflation number tomorrow, and this is tied into inflation because <gasps> as we've seen, um, you know, hot CPI numbers. When dissecting them, you can see that it's certain categories driving the inflation more than others. Right. Oil. Oil. Food. Energy, cars, um, cars is the biggest one in, in terms of actual uh, like a product that we can buy. So, um, if the problem with car, why cars have gotten so expensive, it's not a secret. It's because of these supply chain issues that 
chips have become hard to come by, so then they can't produce more cars, rising, making the prices of new car rising as well as used cars. Um, so what can be done to try to alleviate that bottleneck uh, of chips? One thing is investments into these chip companies, right? And rising interest rates slows down those investments. So to get to where we need to be in terms of meeting um, production to where demand is right now, we shouldn't want to slow production down at all. And there's some uh, here. I'll, sh I'll share my screen real quick. Yeah, please. This is a good uh, Twitter account um, showing some good insights. Renaissance Macro Research. Oh, another firm named Renaissance. Or yeah, and I actually reached out to them. I'm hoping to get them on the show, but they they shared some. This is not the hedge fund, right? No, this is not uh, uh, not Renaissance, the quant firm. Nor is it the IP the IPO research firm. No, unless <sighs> one of them like. Great. Just invested in this as like a side macro research, but I don't. I don't think it is. I think it's an independent macro research firm. I don't know. I'll, I'll do some more research right. on that. Um, anyway, positive job postings uh, on Indeed, right? Showing people are hiring. That's no secret. Um, where's the? Oh, here it is. Credit card spending has actually increased over the last month, showing consumer uh, sentiment is rising. And then okay. we have this other, I got to go do it to a different uh, tweet here. Morgan Stanley, well, let me share, uh, oops, share this. Food will be next. Food, food's happening. Food? Uh, yeah, in terms of inflation. I think food, Mike. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is from Morgan Stanley. Inflation yeah. hits lower-income households the hardest. Yeah. While inflation hits lower-income households the hardest, we are still seeing wages outplace okay. inflation for the lower-income tercile. Okay. Adjusting nominal wages for inflation. So basically, I think there are a lot of things happening right now that are showing that like through just normal uh, uh, supply and demand, production ramping up to meet demand, yep. that, slow it, that raising interest rates to slow down investments right now will end up hurting us. Like, it's like why, if everything is booming right now, we're getting out of this COVID, we want to raise rates now. It just doesn't seem like the right time in my mind. I, anytime I see anything uh, that is talking about victories for, for, the, for the low end of the wage scale, yeah, the... the Pull up that chart or repeat what that it said. It said that inflation is hitting um, uh, the lower tercile of the job market the hardest, but uh, its wages are still outpacing inflation. Uh, I know that wage growth on the lower end has has outpaced wage growth at the higher end for the last year or so. For the first time in a while, yeah. I know. So it's like, yay, whoop de freaking do. Look at all the poor people. It's a victory for them. No, it's not. Income inequality has gotten way worse in the last two years. The the, the top one percent have gotten even richer, right? Uh, I, well, I, I think both things can be true. I think the top, the richest people have could have gotten a lot richer, and some of the the people in the lowest income bracket are better off than they were two years. I ago. I just don't know how much better off they are, frankly. Right? I really like. I wish they, they, they were, I wish they were better off. I just don't see people like to cite these numbers that the wage growth is, is, is faster on the low end than it is on the high end. But like, come on, it's still they're so far behind. The people at the top are so far ahead. It's, it's not a fair comparison. Yeah, I agree. Um, um, I mean, again, so the source here is Bureau of Labor Statistics, Harvard University, and Morgan Stanley Research. So I thought this was interesting coming from Morgan Stanley. I just bottom line, look, I mean, I think. 
it's certain at this point the Fed will raise rates because they have to do something. They have to show they're doing something. But uh, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like right now this will be this is the best time to to slow down investments. Um, I started reading a really good book last night. What book? The Psychology of Money. Ooh, which I've been put. It's been sitting on my bookshelf for mm, six months, maybe. Uh, Brian Portnoy, he's a great follow on Twitter. Um, oh, Dave's dad, right? No. Oh. No, no relation to my knowledge. This was basically the point I was trying to make. Yeah. There's a lot of evidence that the first quarter could end up stronger than economists are expecting or is now tracking via the Atlanta Fed's GDP. Now, payrolls surging in January. The Neil data out of points of credit card spending is on fire, too. Basically, again. How can both be true, though? There is so much contradicting data out there. How can... Wait, what, what does that say? Credit card spending uh, is, is, on, is on fire? Well, yeah, of course it is because people, the costs are going up. Of course people are spending more money. Costs are raising, are rising. People are spending more because they don't have a choice. Isn't that, come on. No? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think the bottom line is that we're, we're in a better position right now than... Uh, from an overall economy standpoint, I'm not just talking about but the stock market. Isn't raising rates a sign that the economy is healthy and stable? Yes, but right. not if there's – you don't want to raise rates if there's still – like my point is that these problems that we're seeing in terms of supply chain issues, um, not enough production to meet demand yeah. will not be helped and will be worsened by interest rates being raised. Um, so once we get to that point where it's like, okay, now we are meet, meeting all of all the production in terms of demand, whether it's cars, uh, food, regardless, it, it's then then that then that's the time to raise rates, right? Once you're back out of, and I don't think we're out of know. this. Um, we're not out of the woods yet. We're not out of the woods yet. That yeah, thank you. Bottom line, from COVID, from all the the, the supply chain issues, logistics, whatever it is, we're not out of the woods logistics. yet. So I'd rather wait till we are out of those woods, and then we see we see these strong uh, signs of a growing economy. That okay, now it's time we can raise rates a little bit. But um, all right, well, hope maybe the Fed will listen to you. We still have another month and a half till we're going to raise rates. Although that's all priced in at this point. You know what? Out of curiosity, real fast, and then we'll move on. I'm just curious. Well, what does the CME FedWatch tool say? Say the CME FedWatch tool says the market. Is currently pricing in a oh get out of here yes except cookies come on enough with the cookies I get it um, CME FedWatch tool come on there we go okay CME FedWatch tool says that the market is pricing in for the March meeting a 75% chance of a 25 basis point rate hike and a 25% chance of a 50 basis point rate hike. In, in other words, a 100% chance of a rate hike uh, in March. So that's that's um, that's pretty much set at, at this point. Now, look out. Uh, it's, it's not the one, though, that you're concerned about. It's like the four, right? One, one rate hike is no big deal. Four rate hikes, though, is, is a bigger deal. Um, yeah, and I'm all for the rate hikes when the time is right. 
I think you need you need you. That, it's a sign, you know. The rate hikes are fine as long as it's coupled with like a strong, healthy, growing economy. I and don't. I, I don't even know if we're growing anymore at this point. <laughs> oh, I think we are. The GDP. I mean, projections are higher now than they okay. were pre-COVID. Yeah. All right. We'll find out more about this in, in March when when the Fed hikes interest rates. Um, I don't know. The last time the Fed raised rates, like last time we went through a rate hike cycle, was. 2015 to 2019, right? 2018, market did fine. Yeah. So, anyway, let's move on here. I want to talk about Disney. Okay. Disney reports earnings tonight. Uh, you guys know this is in my never sell portfolio. Uh, the people over at Visible Alpha were very kind enough to send me over some research. I asked them, hey, guys, can you please show me a comparison of Disney Plus subscribers compared to Netflix? Uh, compared to whatever else you you think is relevant, so they were like, "Yeah, sure. Here's a table, and I'm going to bring up the table on the screen right now, and it's a it's a lot to digest here. So I'm I'm going to walk you all through this here. This is a table showing Disney Plus subscriber growth compared to Netflix and Amazon Prime. I want to focus mostly on the bottom half. Okay, I don't really want to look at the top half of, of the table. Let's look at the bottom half of the table here. Okay, this is going back two years. This is going back." Uh, to basically when Disney Plus launched, which was in November of 19. They got it right, right before COVID. Um, let's talk about this growth rate, okay? Because that's all that matters. The growth rate is, is, is what matters. It's not so much the absolute subscriber number. It's the growth rate of those subscribers. So let, let, let's, let's go here and look at row six and look at Disney Plus subscribers um, and, and the growth there. Obviously, they had a massive pull forward from COVID, if you if you look at these uh, these growth rates, they're starting from nothing here. They started from zero, right? So COVID was a was a huge windfall for Disney Plus last year. Um, a little tougher of a comparison, right? The growth slowed, as is to be expected, right? When you the larger you get, the harder it is to grow. This yellow column here, column I, this is the consensus estimate. For 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 uh, this quarter, well, no, for last quarter, in Disney's case, that number comes out tonight. The consensus estimate is that Disney Plus subscribers will have grown thirty percent in the fourth quarter of twenty twenty one compared to the fourth quarter of twenty twenty. The app, the absolute value of those is is right there, uh, row three, one eighty nine thousand versus uh, one forty six thousand. So I want to look forward though. Okay, this is all looking backward, and you can see. Uh, Netflix also had had um, uh, a, a nice a nice bump uh, during COVID. Amazon, frankly, I don't know how fair of a comparison that really is, because Amazon Prime is so much more than just a video streaming service. It's it's a shopping platform. So I really just want to stick with Disney and Netflix for now. Um, and and let's just go to the right here. These numbers, everything to the right of the yellow, these are estimates, okay? Now, where do these estimates come from? These are estimates that Visible Alpha has uh, gotten from, they've basically uh, uh, aggregated estimates from around Wall Street and averaged them out as far as I understand it. And these are the consensus growth rate estimates for Disney Plus and Netflix subscriber growth going out for the next like four four years this goes out to like 20 
goes out. Wow, wow, when does this go out to? This goes out to 2030. No, it goes out to, yeah, it goes out to 2030. Holy moly, that's a long time. So basically for the next decade, all right? Um, the takeaway from the right side of this table is, th is this chart. I'm going to scroll down, okay? And this chart basically shows that analysts are predicting that by the fourth quarter of 2022, Disney Plus streaming subscribers will surpass Netflix. That seems kind of crazy to think about, doesn't it? Yeah. Netflix had a... Uh, wait, when did Netflix start streaming? 2010? Probably maybe? somewhere around there. Netflix had a, basically a 10-year head start on Disney+. Plus. And the analysts are saying, hey, by the end of this calendar year, Disney+, Plus will have more subs than Netflix. So the takeaway here is two things. The takeaway is this 30% number... Wait, where's my mouse? This 30% number, that's the estimate for tonight. Let's watch what Disney says tonight. Did there's, and actually it's, it's 30% and it's 189. It's, it's, it's the same thing, right? So 189.6 thousand, that's our estimate for total subscribers as of the end of the year. That would be a 30% year-over-year growth rate. Does Disney come in above or below these numbers? Above? Bullish. Below, not so much. So I thought this was a really good look at the historical. Let's just keep up this, this table up for a second. This is the historical growth rate of Disney Plus, Netflix, and, and also Amazon um, subscriber growth going back uh, two years. Oh, come on. Can you get a little bit of. Can you just stay, stay like that? Perfect. Okay. So again, they're saying end of this year, end of this calendar year, Disney Plus is, is, on, the, is on the left of each of these groupings. Uh, Netflix is on the right. They're saying end of this year, Disney Plus, more subscribers than Netflix. Do, does anyone have thoughts here? Aaron, do you have thoughts here? I'd be surprised if this comes to fruition and Disney Plus really passes Netflix in terms of subscribers. This is a really good question from Corey. Thank you for bringing that up, Corey. Do these numbers only include Disney Plus? Uh, or do they also include Hulu and ESPN? Uh, they, it, it's all-encompassing. Disney does break them down. Oh, no, it's not all-encompassing. Sorry, it's just Disney+. Plus. This is just Disney+. Plus. How is that possible? How could Disney Plus surpass Netflix in terms of subscribers? Is it U.S., global? This is global, to my knowledge. I uh, is it wait yeah this is global because oh no 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 I don't think no you're right it doesn't make sense because Netflix has kind of plateaued in the U.S. but they're still growing overseas so maybe this is just U.S. I think this is just U.S. Sorry. Yeah, Corey's like if you add Disney, if you if you add Hulu and ESPN. Although, I, frankly, Corey, I'm not sure how much either of those are really growing. I have to, I, I'd have to look it up. No, no, no. This is just, this is just U.S. This is not global. Global and Netflix would, would would trump them. Oh, yeah. It could be just new subs only. Wait, let's read. What does the? This is coming from Visible Alpha. Let's see what they said about it. Okay, the, the lesson here was maybe Spencer needs to spend more time on this <laughs> before he brings it up on the show. <laughs> Oh man. 
That's good. Great. That, that, that's the lesson here. Spencer, look at these things for more than five minutes. Yeah, I mean, all we would need to do is, okay, cause, so yeah, if it's saying 200,000, so it's got to be new subscribers, right? Okay. It's saying 200,000. Spencer at, takes a mulligan. Yeah, added in a Spencer quarter. takes a mulligan. Sorry. <laughs> but no, it's not your fault because the, the title of this <laughs> chart is a little bit. Jesus, that was bad. Oh, I totally butchered this segment here. Oh, I'm sorry, everyone. I, I did specifically ask for new subscribers, so I should have known that's what we were looking at. Well, yeah, I'm just confused. Wait, because Net, Net, oh, Netflix reported 8, eight, oh, eight million God. new subs, oh, no. but they missed their mark. So does that mean... <laughs> I asked for new subscribers. Of course that's what we're looking at. That's what I asked for. Why wouldn't it... Uh... I don't know. I, I still don't know what this chart means or looks at, but we've got new ones for Twitter. Maybe oh these ones God. will be a little bit more. Uh, well, Twitter, can we let's say that for tomorrow? Can we say that for tomorrow? When does Twitter report? They, they report tomorrow. Oh, okay. All right, let's we'll save, save it for tomorrow. tomorrow. Jesus Christ. Oh, man. I, I was just trying to show some cool data, and I completely butchered the interpretation of it. So um, hopefully they're not watching this, because if they are, why would they send me more, more data in, in the future? I, I hope that no one stops sending me data. Well, maybe they just need to send us the data, but then with like a TLD, TLDR. Maybe that's or take explain it like God I'm five. Damn, <laughs> it's brutal. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, uh, let's move off of that. the The point here is, I own Disney, and I'm never going to sell. That's the bottom line. But I think I I'm not feeling great about the. Uh, I said this morning I wasn't feeling great about the um, short term prospects because because Netflix set the bar pretty low. So, um, we'll see. Content is king. Right, Aaron? Yeah. So, wait, you're, you're bullish Disney into earnings? I'm bullish Disney long, long, long term. I'm, 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 suspe- I'm cautious, cautious. I'm very cautious for tonight. Well, speaking but of streaming, too, and maybe we'll talk about uh, this when Jesse joins us in a couple minutes, but yeah. uh, Roku having a good day breaking out. I mean, Roku's well, one of these everything is up today. stocks. I know, but I mean, I, I like to see which stocks on a day like this are up like 5% or more. And Roku is one of those stocks, like many other stocks, have just gotten absolutely, I mean, highs of 470 down to 160. I mean, more than, you're talking well over 50% drawdown, right? Uh, it's more like a like 70% drawdown from its highs. A- at some point, it becomes attractive to buyers. I mean, you can throw Square and PayPal in that category, too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think. And also, with that said, it's interesting that Netflix is is... It's flat, but I'll call. I'll go ahead and call it red on a day like today. If you're flat, you're red. You're red. If you ain't up, you're down. It's it's up 0.18 percent, but you you compare that to the Qs, you compare that to Netflix's peers. Uh, Netflix having a very poor day. You know what else is having a good day today? AMC. Did you see the AMC headline? What I did, are, what I did not. There's several. AMC. I saw this this morning. They're considering. Launching AMC branded popcorn in supermarkets. That's old news. How, how bullish are we? That's old news. That's old news. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I thought it was it was from this morning. No, it's no? weeks old. I think the news from this morning is that AMC creates VP position to oversee popcorn business. They announced that they were expand that they were spinning off their popcorn business like, oh, a month or two ago. Shit. All right. I stand correct. Wait, there's a PR from this morning. AMC welcomes Ellen uh, Kopakin 
in a newly created position, vice president of growth strategy. They didn't have a VP of growth before today. <laughs> oh man, even we have that. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh gosh. Anyway, can we do a quick crypto update? Then we'll bring on Jesse. Let's do it. All right. Here's our crypto update of the day. Growth is hot, which means so is crypto. Look at that. We don't need no hack. Who cares about the hack? The hack was six years ago. Who cares? Bitcoin's up 2.5%. ETH is up almost 5%. Uh, Near protocol, our old friends, up 4%. Who's leading today? XRP up 9%. Avalanche up almost 8.5%. Good day for Sheeb. Look at Sheeb up 10%. We've been talking about Sheeb in a long time. Where's she bat? Doesn't even you can't even see it because it's too many zeros. Zero 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 one something. I don't know. Can't even see it. Anyway, here's your heat map brought to you by Voyager. If you want some free Bitcoin, it's so easy to get. Download the Voyager app using the offer code Zing when you sign up. Create your account. Fund it with $100. Make a trade. Any trade will do. And they will send you some free Bitcoin. Check it out. All right. I'm not afraid to look at the chat. I'm I'm not afraid I'm being eviscerated in there. I hope I'm not. But I'm, I'm not having a great day right now. I'm not having a great a great few minutes right now in terms of content. So let's bring on Jesse Kaler. Hopefully he can save me. Jesse, this is the last time we're, we're going to speak with him before maybe his life changes forever. We'll find out on Sunday. Jesse Kaler, live from Cincinnati. How are we doing? I'm doing great. I kept the shrine up um, for Bryce. Yeah, I see that. So you can see that. I, see that. I, I figured so it would be bad luck to take it down. There's a very real chance that when we talk to you next week, Jesse, your life will have changed forever. Are, are you prepared for that reality? I'm getting teary-eyed just thinking about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm excited. If you If you guys want to see something, even if you're not a fan of the Bengals, Watch the reaction videos on YouTube of the. Of I told the, you to watch that. No, I'm I know. I, I was I was just messing around. No, I watched okay. it. I, I I literally started getting teary eyed. I was like, man, he was right. I was like, this is, this is great. Wait, stuff. wait, can I can I confess? I also got teary eyed. Did you really? <laughs> it's like, man, these guys were so excited, so happy, like to see this. So I was the same way. I was. I had my own video of that. I have my oh, own man. personal one. Maybe I'll send you a clip of yeah. it. Yeah. It's cool to see people care about things. It's fun to see people happy. We should see people happy more often. Um, yeah, listen to Born to Be Free. Smash that like, especially now that I'm on here. We need this thing to jump at least a couple hundred likes while uh, Mr. Oh, Taylor man. is on the show. But let's talk about uh, the Disney real quick just to continue to go on if you want to show, share my uh, screen there. Yeah, go for it. What do you got for us? Here's your daily setup, kind of a trade that I'm I'm – been just looking at while you were talking and just trying to set up where would some people be looking at levels and i've i've put up some levels of 140 to the downside and 150 to the upside it's kind of a it's almost like they're just showing you where they want to keep this thing in a range here and then you have your dramatic moves to the upside and dramatic moves to the downside if there was some really good news really bad news um i would say a 159 and a 129 or you're up and you're down targets and then looking at a trade from this morning if you would have got in around that 140 or that 144 in that range, then this would be your possible upside downside move to those targets. And you could pull this thing down to make it a little bit more realistic. And to me, it just doesn't look like it's shaping up to be a trade that I want to take. I wanted to take this when we talked last week. I said I wanted to play this 
play this into earnings. Same with uh, Twilio, TWLL. And I think that this time I'm going to hold off. You know, I, I don't really have a, a, a strong enough feeling to go into it. And I don't have enough indicators that are telling me that this is a good trade. So I won't be taking a trade on Disney overnight here, but I possibly okay. might be trading it in the morning, um, depending on how it's moving in the pre-market, things of that nature. And long-term, bullish is the same as you, Spencer. I do think that Disney will continue to grow and maybe even do some, maybe even, you know, open up some new theme parks here in the future if, as things go um, that are, you know, maybe in the Midwest is what I've been thinking instead of um, being uh, only a coastal attraction, basically. But <laughs> you never know. Maybe they come and buy Kings Island from us. I think they had, they owned it at one point, I think. But um, Oh, speaking of, uh, Cedar Point and SeaWorld, right, merging, right, fun is is actually holding on to a lot of those gains I saw yesterday. So I don't know if that's a trade there for you. But Jonas Ohio. called me toe for grace. I don't know who that is. Yes, you do. He's uh, Eric Foreman from that 70s he, he's, show. He's the actor. Oh, I do not look like show. toe for grace. Come on. Actually, he kind of does a little. You kind of do a little. You bit. know some guy last night. I was that's a having, compliment. I was having drinks with my wife last night, and some guy said I – I talk and I look like Ben Shapiro, so I had to watch him today and see. Are you kidding Dude, me? Dude, I get that in the chat like once a day. Me and Bry, we're uh, no, we kind of look alike, right? Jesse, yeah. you <laughs> look nothing like Ben Shapiro. Thank you. Are you kidding me? I you, you don't I, talk like him either. Right? Yeah, you have, a, you have like a deep. <laughs> well, like Who ben, says ben that? Shapiro, I don't even know. I don't know. Who says that? I, I think it's funny when I get uh, when people say that to me because I get uh. You at least have like the darker hair. I feel like. Yeah, like, I think it's the eyebrows. Could be the eyebrows too. Oh, yeah. Dude, no. Toe for Grace. I the powers in the eyebrows, baby. What's that? What, who, <laughs> who's that guy? The dad on American Pie. Oh, I love that guy. Uh, the, Eugene, the dad, Eugene, uh, Eugene Levy. Uh, Rohan, can we get a? Can we get some zoom action going on here? Or, or on, the, on the eyebrows. I don't even know if Rohan's Rohan's around. Uh, he may be busy, but. Um, so no, no. here's my weird trade that I want to revisit. Remember ITUB, the the Brazilian bank that I sent, I told you about. Yeah, at yeah. 386, I sold it at 475. I remember that. I uh, just wanted to show you the chart there when we were on last time when we were talking about it a few weeks ago. We were at 386, and I said, "Here, look at the left of this chart." I said, "Look what happens every time it gets in that area. It bounces. It gets nice moves up to the upside every time. One, two, and then look. This is when we were talking." Three. So I got out. I took my profit. I was only looking for a buck and I got more than I asked for. So, uh, or right, right, right less than what I asked for, like five cents, but I was happy. And that was just a quick recap I wanted to go over on that one and just maybe talk about something that you, I don't think anybody in the history of Benzinga has talked about ITUB other than me. So, yeah, no, that's not one that's on my radar. <laughs> Although I, I have noticed some weird strength in um, South American equities there's a, a handful of south american etfs there's a brazil etf there's a um uh i think there's an argentina etf there's a venezuela etf and there's an all, indian etf I mean, it's not well if you think continent. about it um all those names that you just described or all those places all these different areas of the world they're they have nothing but potential growth yeah. when it comes I thought to we were just naming emerging markets etf <laughs> no we're not no. <laughs> no we're not just naming emerging markets etf I, I, i'll take that back um no but like the reason i bring that up though is because again I'll, I'll drop you some tickers right now but um i was looking at like just the top performers year to date if you take out take out all the leverage funds 
and you get like um well it's all energy and stuff now but uh before it was like uh oh i gotta scroll okay this is annoying so nah. jesse we're not gonna yolo into twilio at all I, that one I was going to cover in a minute. Um, let's go back just a second. I want to. I wanted yeah. to keep this thought going on the uh, Super Bowl, and you guys are oh, talking okay, about okay. commercials. Pa, you know, Ford and GM always come out with like a tearjerker or like something. You're like, man, that was a good commercial. And I think that Ford and GM are going to co- come out with some really good commercials. And they've already Ford's already been really in favor when it comes to the public. I think there's. I mean, almost everybody I knew or I know in the car business was like, man, I'm an idiot for not buying this thing under five bucks. And in, in, in those areas, even under yeah, 10, but that chart looks hideous though, Jesse, it, it does look hideous, but maybe this is a relief pop for a trade, not for maybe there's continuing downside for Ford for a little bit, maybe back down to 15, I think. Um, but potential, I'm just saying there's a, just some, just something that you could watch. Budweiser but, also has like, the biggest tearjerker commercials. Have you noticed that, Aaron? Yeah, Jesse. Jesse brought that up. And has Bush. They. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I grew up okay. in St. Louis. Like, so the Clyde sale. I, we would. They, they would like bring the Clyde sales to our, our school and stuff. I saw, I saw them once in person. Really. In, in, in Savannah, Georgia. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. They would bring them around Bush Stadium too before Cardinals games. Remember the um, frogs, Budweiser. Yeah, the little the little dog. <laughs> the the one no, the, the runaway dog commercial that. was like the most famous. Budweiser one. That's one I remember. You, you have to like look two- that up, Spencer. You have to look up the the Budweiser frog commercial. You have to Bud Bud Knight was also a great commercial from a couple years ago. The Bud Knight. You guys yes. remember that one? Yeah, the Bud the Bud Knight, and then they killed him. But who who was <laughs> wait, wait wait who what 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 was the beer company that had the Man Club? Ooh, was that Coors Light? Maybe. Yeah. Or was Tap that Miller Rockies, Light? Maybe. Was that maybe Miller? Oh, uh, what was uh, remember Keith Keith Stone? Yeah. That was a good one too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, anyway. So wait. So just Tangent. to just to put yeah, a, right, let's just say our favorite beer commercials. All right, everyone, drop their favorite beer commercial in the chat. Um, I actually have a favorite beer commercial from when I was a kid. It, I, I, I think it was for Bud Light. It involved throwing pencils and it went up a guy's butt. But that was the good old. All right. What? Uh, we we can it's on YouTube. We'll, oh, happy yeah, Dosakis, the uh, the most interesting man in the world. That was that's a good probably campaign. one of the best beer. No, no, but oh, like so wait, so just just to put a bow on the the South America thing real fast. Uh, there's a few ETFs and they're having don't please don't chase performance, but like EWZ is Brazil, right? Um, FLBR is all is also Brazil. Um, uh, what else we got? We have. Uh, FLAA is Latin is broad Latin America. There's a Colombia ETF, GXG, up eleven percent in the last month. Uh there there's actually two Colombia ETFs. There is uh ICOL is the other. You've got uh, a Chile ETF, ECH, up five and a half percent. You got a Peru ETF, only three percent, so not great there. Argentina, uh ARGT not up not up a lot. Uh so you have a number of Latin America ETFs and uh or Central South America ETFs, and, and some of them are doing okay. So I just wanted to point that out and just say it's been a strong start to the start of the year. This past week notwithstanding, but uh, strong start to the year for the emerging market uh, world, at least. Um, yeah, yeah, so the commercial I was saying was um, it was for Bud Light, I think, and he was he, the guy was at work, and he was wasting time, and his wife calls, and he's like, yeah, 
I'm super busy. I can't come home right now. And he's throwing pencils up at the ceiling just to kill time. And his wife's like, I got Bud Light. And he, like, throws the pencil up. And it goes through the ceiling up to the floor above him. And there's a big meeting. And it goes up a guy's butt. Anyway, it was really funny when I was a kid. It's probably still funny. Um, anyway. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> what, uh, what, else, what else are you watching here, Jesse? Let's pull up the Twilio, TWLO. This one is a true... YOLO, right, Brian? Because this thing can go all the way back from when everyone got it real happy on that one big uh, month. That's one month. Look at that thing. From 80, or sorry, yeah, so 90 to 200. So there's a lot of pain already built into this. If you look to the upside, there's a lot of people that have lost a lot of money on the way down here. So in my opinion... The only way to play this is to go both ways, just to go put and call and just YOLO and hope that there's a big enough move to the upside or downside to cover the loss from the other side. That's the only way I would play this one. And it would truly be, I would be willing to lose. I know that I I would know that I'm either going to lose all the option or I'd set like a stop loss at 50% on both sides just to exactly know what my, my loss could be. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You're, you're bringing up uh, earnings plays. Do we, we have any non-earnings plays? Well, I, I, I prompted him for this because I think okay. we discussed it. I think we discussed last Twilio week. last time Jesse was on, and we said we'd revisit it before earnings. Um, I've been playing the earnings plays the past couple weeks, and I, the problem is, is okay, so the implied move is so high for Twilio that the contracts are just so expensive. I mean, even if I They're wanted to really buy... Expensive. And there's huge spreads right now between the bid and the ask. Yeah, if I wanted to buy a two ten call that expires on Friday, they're more than a thousand. They're eleven dollars uh, and twenty five cents right now. And I mean, the break even is you would need Twilio to go up ten percent overnight. Yeah, that just so doesn't. I, I just seem don't like... think it's. I just don't think it's worth it at this point. It, it's not. I I am not gonna play. That's why I said I'm not gonna play this one or the Disney just because they didn't set it up for us option traders to make it look juicy enough. If that makes sense. There's not enough meat on the bone here. Um, oh, I, I guess uh, we got to mention this real quick. Uh, I guess in the last 15 minutes or so, Rogan has officially declined Rumble's offer, and the stock is down 16%. <laughs> Holy <laughs> smokes. Stop. Um, chart. To the chart. CFVI. Uh, Charlie uh, Fox, Fang, Fox, Fango. Foxtrot. I got it. Victor Indigo. Victor yeah, you have you have your chart, but I also want to pull up my chart. Oh my God! Look at that candle. <laughs> I didn't. I try to tell Ben this. I feel like it wasn't a, the move happened because of the Joe Rogan offer. This yeah. is the guy that was just on. I was listening on. Um, yeah, he, he didn't make a bad me. argument. I was taking no, my kid look, to school, so this is the same guy, right? That just was just saying he was up all that, and now he's down. yeah. Ben, Ben, and Ben, who was just on, he's got. I mean, that's his thing. Is he finds the stories? He gave us the story for Rumble. Not every single one of his picks is going to be like AEHR. I mean, to, to Ben's credit, he gave us AEHR when it was at like yeah. three bucks and it's at like 15 now. So happy. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I gave my criticism of it saying, like, I just don't like this play because we've seen this story before. It's not a new story, right? I like the idea of, of finding a stock or a company with a strong story and investing based off of it. But this story is not new. It's okay, we don't like big tech. We're going to create our own platform. And there's been five of these. Aye. So I, I'm going to need to do something uh, 
I'm, I'm going to need to see something we have that to... shows me that Rumble is going to be different from Parler, different from Gab, different, and really attract users. And uh, by the way, anytime your business, if your business model is like predicated or built off of attracting only half of the potential people yeah, out right. there, not it's great. not a strong business, right? Twitter, not great. There, there's people that are right wing on Twitter. There's people that are left wing. At the bottom line, 100% of people are potential customers for Twitter. Rumble right now seems to really only be trying to court 50% of the population, if that. I would, I would argue it's less than that because it's like more the extreme uh, people on the right, which is probably a lot less than 50%. It's probably like I, 10% I, I, of I people think, want to hear yeah. uh, election conspiracies and, and COVID, you know, all you, that stuff. I think you're right. I think with CFV, with Rumble, let's just keep an eye on the, the monthly active users, uh, the MAUs, and let's just see how that, how the, how those, how that trend plays out. And they're going to have to report those, correct? Now yes, that they're uh, yes, uh, merging with us back? Yep. We're going to have to report that. Yeah. And I'd be surprised if we see that MAU. I mean, 30, what was it? 30 million? Uh, That's got to be yeah. the whole, your whole, like, alt-right QA, QA base right there. Well, we'll find out. I guess we? we'll find out. I'm we'll going to quote out. one of the my favorite people, uh, Triple D Trader, and yeah. sell the peanuts while the circus is in town. When you get that headline and your stock rips to the moon, it doesn't matter what you think in the long term, in my opinion. It's what's happening right now. And when you're up that much, take some profit, take something off the table, and then maybe yeah. look to reinvest when you see a strong pullback after the story settles down. Um, Hex14 is talking about DCFC, which is the number one most searched stock on Benzinga Pro today. Uh, it's coming down a little bit, but it's still up. What's what's that? It's up eighty two percent today. Yeah, after like a hundred percent move yesterday. Oh, uh, Christian Gallagher, I'm, I'm glad you asked this. So, um, over the weekend, I was out uh, with some peeps having a good time, and I was talking to this guy I'm friends with, and uh, he he like me likes to bet on sports. And granted, he was he had had a few. Few he had a, he had had a few cold beverages. I won't disclose which kind. Okay. But he told me a, a, a nice ginger ale. Yeah, some nice ginger ales. He told me, if it's sunny out, bet tails. If it's cloudy, bet heads. This is the best bet I've ever heard in my life. At the time, it made a lot of sense. It still makes sense. Okay, it still makes sense. <laughs> that was all. I mean, that was enough for me. You know, I was like, you know what? Uh, yeah, it sounds right. So did, did he say? Did there. he say why? Um, I believe he gave wait, some, wait. some sort of a... Can you repeat it? I already forgot what it was. If it's sunny out, which it's LA, so I'm going to assume it's going to be sunny. He said bet tails, which tails never fails. Wait, it's 6.30. Is the, is the, the sun's still out at 6.30? No, it's 6.30 Eastern time. It's going to be 3.30. True, 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 true. Okay, true, true, true. You're right. Time zone. Okay. Yeah. So. Time zones are tough, though. Okay, so 6.30. Okay, so if it's heads, if, if it's sunny out, pick heads. Yeah. And if it's cloudy out, pick tail. And Christian brings up a good point. They're in a dome. SoFi's pretty much a dome. It's not a full dome. I don't even know if it matters if, like, the sun needs to be hitting the coin. I think it's more of just, like, an aura, uh, like, planets in retrograde type thing that if it's sunny out, tails is definitively more likely to hit. Okay. I don't know. Okay. That's just what I heard. Throwing that out there. All right. Um, I don't hate that logic. I don't know if he feels the same way after... uh, the, the effects should, of the ginger ale. Should, should we devote Friday's show to just making prop bets? And we have, we have to we have to do our squares. We have to do our squares. Ron, can you throw up the rocket the rocket mortgage squares graphic, please? RocketMortgageSquares.com, everyone. Uh, is Ron even here today? Where should we just set up BZB and I can help run it? We'll just do Benzinga bets, and then we'll have our own. Um, 
we, we can do that. All right, guys. DraftKings. There we go. There's the QR code in the top right. Uh, hit that QR code. Sign up for Rocket Mortgage Squares. It's completely free to sign up. You can win uh, up, up to half a million dollars, and you get to use that. It's a mortgage company, so you get to use it toward your home, home that, improvements. That's what they would want. Mortgages. I'm a sucker, and I did this just so the chat knows. I also I I, I did screen. Well, uh, no, did you're a sucker if you don't. I did this. It's completely free. Why wouldn't you do it? Yeah. I don't know. You uh, what was uh, Michael Scott's quote? You miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. I think that was Wayne from, That was from Michael Scott. Yeah. 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 Um. It's the same thing. You can't buy a lottery if you don't win. You can't win the five hundred thousand for Rocket Mortgage if you don't yeah, enter. That's it. That's, exa- it. that's exactly it. Sense yeah, like they say, luck is when preparation um, meets opportunity, right? So that's the only reason why yeah. people are lucky. Wait. There's another. There's another quote from someone that was like, I've, "I've found that the harder I work, the luckier I become." Yeah, I me too. I've got that too. I work three jobs, so I know what that means. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Tiny, do you do you know Tiny Pie's the answer to his question, Aaron? What is it for international people? I don't know. It's a great question. I don't know. Tiny, uh, Pie, Tiny Pie. I don't if know. If you man. need a uh, Tiny Pie, find just, a VPN. Just email us, Tiny Pie. Yeah, and I'll up, enter for you. Shows up in I'll answer for you. I won't tell anyone. Uh, no, no, we're not going to do that. Oh. We're not. We're not going to commit fraud. Did you hear about um, the the Formula One thing? No. Uh, there was a. Did a, your stock already taken? There, there was a charity auction in Formula One. Mercedes auctioned off a tour of their factory. And the head of the Red Bull team won the auction. Oh. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, you're not, we're not going to let you in oh. our factory. We're not letting you guys come here and tear We're not going to let you tour our factory. That's awesome. How much did he pay for it? I don't know. Did he get his money back or not? That's uh, like when... Uh, well, it was a charity, so no. Roger Goodell did a thing where he was like, I think he was bidding on someone to be able to sit like in his chair to watch a football game and with him or Port, something. Did Portnoy yeah, win? and Portnoy won, and they were like, "Yeah, we're not doing that." <laughs> Goodell hates Goodell hates Dave Portnoy, oh, man. which I don't like the guy either. But I, it's it's kind of funny, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, What's uh, wrong with the pizza man? Oh man, no, I'm not. I don't want to get into. I'm well, sorry. actually, I'll, I will say this. I I don't think. Uh, I, I I think my problem with it is more that I don't like how certain people like idolize him and put him on this pedestal, and not that I think like oh he shouldn't have a platform and be canceled. Like I don't care. Like I don't personally care that he's like, uh, forty. You know, it's like he doesn't have to be anyone's role model. Like if he wants to be a forty year old that just like travels around and parties and stuff, whatever, mm-hmm. that's fine. But the fact that some people like idolize him and it's like all right, this guy's like not that cool. You know, it's like I don't know. He's just a guy. He's just a guy. Yeah. We're all just guys. I think that once I became, this is just kind of just something I want to spill on is that I've been on plenty of interviews or been on, you know, live speaking my opinions, things of that nature, just like you guys do. And we're talking about what we do with our real money. And I think that once I got behind the scene of like uh, OBS and understanding like how a studio is run, how understanding how to broadcast, understanding how to do what you guys do, things like that. You kind of realize you're like everybody's just a dude. They're just the women. They're just guys on the yeah. news. They're just someone's going home, making some food, hanging with their family, and talking about real shit, just like they do. But they just happen to be people. Just look at this TV screen, and they're like, "Oh my god!" Did look who's tr- on the uh, screen? Trung Trung fan is a great follow on Twitter. Wait, I think we're being yelled at right now. Are we? Being, are you yelling at us right now? Is yelling at Aaron? Is are you getting yelled at right now? I am. Why? I don't know. <laughs> He's yelling at me. What? He's pointing at someone's pointing at us right now. Is anyway. He's very aggressively. Did we do something wrong? 
I think he was mad because I like surreptitiously tried to hit my vape on the show. Oh my god. Uh, okay. Don't do that, Aaron. I'm not Aaron. Trying, no, no, no. I'm trying to give it to him, so it's <laughs> out of my reach. <laughs> you're you're getting censored right now. <laughs> what? No, no. Uh, what was I, wait, 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 wait. What, what was I saying? Trung Trung fan. If you don't follow him on Twitter, you really should. He made a he had a really good thread the other day about um he was Wait, at, Trung fam is the Riot's guy. We've had him on no, the no, show. No, no, no. Trung fan is a different guy. Okay. Um he was asked this I guess uh why, he he put a Twitter thread out a while ago about about like um uh, it was about Viacom, right? Uh, and then he got asked to go on CNBC, and they were like, can you comment on somebody buying Viacom? And he was like, well, shit, I don't have an opinion. I, I guess I got to get an opinion real fast, so let me get up the old Google machine. Let me Google Viacom, and oh, here's an article that says Amazon can be a takeover. Boom, there's my opinion, and just copy the opinion. And, and yes, uh, everything is noise. I, I, I do like this guy's Twitter. Everything is noise. Nothing matters. Jesse is frozen. Uh, no, he's not. Okay. Sorry. I thought you were frozen, Jesse. Jay Rice, thank you for calling that out. Nautilus, the guest on pre-market prep this morning, Ivan Feinseth, was speculating. Like, hey, he's like, hey, why scoop up Peloton when you can buy Nautilus for like a, t a, a tenth of the price? Uh, what's Nautilus's market cap? $170 million. And what's Peloton's? Twelve billion dollars, one seventy million versus twelve billion. 12 anyway, billion the N the NLS chart. Uh, let's pull that up now. Yeah, look at that new high of the day. Wow, what a two day move you've had here in Nautilus. Maybe uh, other people are thinking the same thing. Interesting. I'm thinking I need. I I I have a very small YOLO account. I've thought about adding. Like some more money to that, and just throwing some more YOLO trades out there. Should we just YOLO Nautilus right now? I think that'd be a mistake. Yeah, I think it'd be a mistake too. I think the, this uh, is a pop to be sold. Someone, someone asked for Jesse if you could bring up um, Facebook. Who asked? About I, had, Facebook I and actually Tesla? pulled that up just in case you were to say that. Yeah, Facebook yeah, yeah. Here. Facebook and Tesla. We were asked about. So Facebook here is basically look how far it's come back. I mean, it's only done this. It's only given you this opportunity twice if you can see the charts over on a weekly chart here it's going back all the way to 2019 2021 or sorry 2020 and then now 2022 now is this just you know a moment where you're buying a falling knife i mean i would say that but not on facebook i mean i i would suggest that if you think that facebook's going to be around and still continue to grow in the next 10 years then this could be a good long-term position to get into um that's or meta, I'm sorry, if you think the metaverse yeah. is going to be real in the next 15 years, are we going to, you know, that, however your sentiment is, or do you think on the other side that they're just old news that they are the, um, MySpace? they're going to, they're going to be my spaced friendster. They're going to be, they're going to be Napstered. Were you ever on MySpace? I was on MySpace. I was on MySpace. I had a cool hit list. When you got in on my, on my MySpace, you were jamming out to some sublime, <laughs> I I could never figure out how to get my page to look all cool. I know, like I know, it was it was like it was like you had to do HTML, right? You had to like you, you know design so your. The way I did it was is that I, I went I, on and and found someone that had that and then messaged them and then they sent uh, me some stuff I couldn't understand and I just implemented it and it worked uh, and I just copied theirs. I could never get my page to look all cool and 
so it looked all boring and i was like this this facebook is way better because my page looks the same as everyone else's <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's cool too as you get like me on facebook this is just a couple things i will talk about facebook just say my ads so they have um for my company, if you go into Elite Trading on Facebook, Elite Trading Discord on Facebook, search it. You guys hit us that subscriber like. You know, once we broke a thousand people, it started being like, "Hey, you can have you've opened up more um, opportunities on Facebook. How you can do different things and how you can share your page and promote it and things like you're allowed to promote or um, charge for like live um, broadcasting right. things of that nature." Right. Just I didn't, wasn't aware of those things, and then. But now on my ads, they before when they would do it, they would just be real simple and kind of silly ads that they would give you for a suggestion or they the words wouldn't be worded correctly. Um, but now it actually takes like a video that I've posted of me and will take what I've said in the video and make it into a really cool headline and decipher it itself and create an ad for you where all you have to do is just click the button and send it out and it's already made for you. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. It was something new that... It, they that wasn't nearly as um wasn't nearly as well as, i mean as, as nice it, as it, is it is their bread and butter so i i right. I, I, I would better. hope they I, I would hope they're good at it and no shelly i did not have emo hair come on Give me but like my son he's 13 and does not even have any care in the world about facebook when i was 13 yeah. i already had one but i had to have a college or not 13 yeah. but when i was when i was his age when i was younger it was i was like 18 you had to have a college edu to get facebook but yeah, yeah. I, oh, really? I'm you were that, that early that you still needed the uh, the college? Yeah, I email? had to have my Cincy dot uh, my UC email. Wow. Oh, you're a Cincy guy. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I went to. Do you know UC Burrow Cincinnati. when he was transferring from OSU was between Cincy and LSU? Yeah. He chose LSU. He's a high state. <laughs> what? Really? So, yeah. Uh, that's cool. He needs an Ohio guy. Um, do you like Skyline Chili? <gasps> Great question. Oh, do I? Sorry. Yes, I love Skyline. Um, <laughs> I, I love Skyline. Sorry, I was reading. I get caught up reading the chat because I like to make sure that we're keeping up with them because sometimes I'll say stuff that's important in there about the market. But um, yeah, what else I, do I love know about Cincinnati? I Extra know cheese, and you got to get it when they have the habanero cheese when it comes in town. When they sometimes they do habanero <laughs> cheese mix, it comes it in is town. Delicious. Yes, it only comes in town like once. It only year. comes every now and then. You only get that. I, I, have you ever had it? No. Okay, I, I just hear about it. I I had it one time. And I got to say, once was enough. Really? I was surprised, actually, yeah. moving up here to Detroit. I was looking at Skyline locations, and they're not just in Cincinnati. Like They have a few other locations spread out in different parts of Ohio, Pennsylvania, maybe. I thought there'd be a few in Michigan, but there aren't. No. I don't he know. Said chili hex chili with, with spaghetti. Said, I feel old. It went from EDU email to meta. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. We, we have, uh, where, I, where we grew up, or where I grew up, I don't know if I said we, where I grew up in St. Louis, Steak and Shake is a big thing. And they always, dude, Steak and Shake has zero line and takes 20 minutes every time I go through the drive-thru. I don't understand it. I don't, yeah, I, I, I protest Steak and Shake. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, so it was always like 24-7, we'd go and sit in, it was great because you could go at like 2 or 3 in the morning, but 100%, we could be the only people in there with a table of like four people all order the same burger and fries and it would take an hour. It's just, it's part of the experience. But they have a chili mac there that, I think is similar to what Skyline is as far as just chili on top of like spaghetti noodles. Um, but I got to try actual Skyline and compare it to the Chili Mac from uh, uh, Steak and Shake. And, and also funny story about Chili Mac, Steak and Shake and their bad service. Oh boy. One time we were there for like an hour 
and they finally bring out our food, and I got some of the chili mac, which is just again chili right. on spaghetti. Right. And the waitress is like dropping off her food. She's like, "Oh yeah, I'll be right back. I just gotta grab your chili mac out of the microwave." And I was like, "Ew." I, I was like, "Just don't don't tell me that." I was like, "That's fine if you gotta go do that. Just don't tell me that." You know? Yeah. Now yeah, you're in your I'm... head like I'm eating microwave chili mac. Yeah. Can we can we just agree that if the Bengals win on Sunday, we're gonna uh, turn the river into into skyline chili? Oh yeah. Like just, that, just chilly everywhere. I honestly don't know what else I know about. Oh, uh, Harambe, he's kind of making a comeback right now because everyone's talking about Cincinnati. You know, they did a poll of the tweets, and um, thirty, I think it's thirty-three states are rooting for the Bengals compared to seventeen for the Rams. So we are yeah. the, the nation's uh, team right now. Well, it, it's it's because you have our sympathies. Yeah, it's well, uh, we're from Cincinnati. Well, Michigan is probably rooting for LA because of Stafford or Detroit at least. But I personally. I'm rooting for Cincinnati because I hate the Rams because they left St. Louis and Stan Kroenke is. Wait a uh, minute. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt what? you. No, go ahead. I just saw this comment from Tiny Pie. Tiny Pie is like over like in Europe, and he knows about Harambe. Harambe. Dude, are you kidding me? It Her, the Her, biggest, it's like the biggest meme of all time. Harambe was global. I didn't realize it was that. Yes, global. it was definitely global. Rip oh Harambe. my gosh! I they have like realize. they yeah. have like Harambe looking at like people. I was watching one where they have him like in a like a like kind of um see-through and he's like looking over the stadium as we won and it's, they were like it was for well, going back to so so pardon my take uh which is a barstool podcast and i know spencer laughs at me for this because i guess this is like a common thing that people say i've never heard it but i i say it where i'm like oh i'm not really like a barstool guy but i listen to pardon my take everyone says that. like that's like the one like the thing that i content that i consume from them um, but they had Sam Hubbard on the DN that's from Cincinnati that plays on the Bengals. And they basically were pressing him about Harambe. And, and he basically jokingly said, like, yeah, we're trying to win it for Harambe. And then every media outlet, like Bleacher Report, like took it and ran with it, saying, like, Sam Hubbard says they're winning from Harambe. When you listen to the interview, it's funny because it's, like, obviously all just in jest joking about it. But what they say on part of my take is for all their social accounts, like, from Barstool social accounts, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is, every time they post a Harambe meme, it does like 20% better than anything else they do. Wow. Well, but yeah, Harambe from Cincinnati. Now Jesse. you're going to see stocks with Harambe themed stock uh, people out there trying to boost. Oh, I, I did see uh, <laughs> my friend went to a, a recreational dispensary here in Detroit the other day, and my friend told me. At that dispensary, they had a, uh, they were selling Harambe eighths of weed, and I said to my friend, I said, "That's kind of fucked up. They're trying to profit off it's of a gorilla tragedy. glue." Oh, oh sorry. They're, they're, this is this is just, it's just a, you know what it is it's it's, it's gorilla marketing is gorilla marketing. Yeah. So if the Bengals win the Super Bowl, does that mean <laughs> that I get to drive up to Detroit and do my show between you two? Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Sure, sure, man. Come well, on. you're welcome to do that. Come on away. Come but... on up. Uh, You're actually like five hours away from me, four hours away. If, if the Bengals win, for sure, yeah. yeah. But that wasn't your kid in uh, the gorilla pit, was it? <laughs> oh, my God. No. What? But I do want to go ice skating no. behind you guys. Every time I see that your guys' Shit. show, like, I see the you people know what, back Jesse, there. you reminded me. We we did promise we were going to do a segment from uh, an AB on the street from the rink, and we're running out of time because they, they, the rink closes in, like I think, like end of March. So we don't we don't have that much time. So, dude, AB, you should definitely do that. I bet the reason why he doesn't is because it's freezing cold in Detroit. But if like if, if, like in the summer, that would be so great to just to walk around, just ask people random stock questions, and just be like, hey, like, yeah, trade in the market, and they're gonna be like, what's trading? You know, a lot of people will yeah. <laughs> like trade what? That's the idea. We, we haven't been able to make one of those videos just because there's not a lot of like tra- foot traffic. There's no one out here. 
there's not foot traffic outside when it's so cold. So we're, we're thinking of alternate, like maybe we go to a mall and do it while it's cold out, or maybe we, uh, I, I, I'm trying to work through some like press connects and whatnot to get a, a press pass for um, the All-Star game in, in Cleveland, NBA All-Star game. So it'd be cool to make some of those videos there. Um, before we wrap it up here with Jesse, uh, on, on the topic of the Super Bowl and all that, uh, we, we, we joked about, um, we joked with, with our, our last guest, Ben, just about all these stocks that could have Super Bowl commercials and, you know, if there's a next day, um, a day after pop. Uh, that's probably, like, not going to happen with stocks. But you know where it could happen, seriously, is with NFTs, okay? There is a lot of celebrities that are – all up in the NFT thing right now, like the, the the level of endorsement is 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 growing exponential. Um, I think there's a very real, very real possibility that we see a, a serious like day after move and a lot of like what in like random crypto and NFT projects that get mentioned like on Sunday. TKAT. <laughs> How is that doing? I forgot about that one. But the, my point in bringing this that's up a good though, reason to look at them. If you forget about them and we and it gets off a radar of people who are watching, yeah. so that's when you're like, oh crap, I forgot about that one. Uh, it might pop and look at it. I'm, my point in bringing that up though was mostly to say that um, I don't know what projects are have already announced they have commercials going. I know, I'm sure Board Apes have have a, have a commercial, but uh, you know who does know is the guys on the roadmap which is our very next show at 2 p.m. Eastern time. They are going to be talking about all the projects that have announced commercials on Sunday and very well could have next day pops. So check out the board, uh, the roadmap uh, coming up right after this show, 2 o'clock Eastern time. They're going to preview the NFTs that will be mentioned during the Super Bowl, uh, during commercials. That are that have celebrity endorsements, and um, in in my opinion here, there's probably a more of a trade. There's more of a Super Bowl trade for NFTs than there is for stocks. Stocks is not that's not a trade to me, but NFTs is a trade for me. Grandpa watching the game is going to see, you know, that his son or whoever's been talking about this. Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, it's real. Exactly. It was on the Super Bowl. It must be real. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hey, now I'm gonna end this on the halftime show. They did it wrong if they don't bring out a hologram performing version of Tupac Shakur when they have Dr. Dre and Eminem. They very well might. That would be they, they amazing. Very well might. And, and and the other guy. Uh, oh, the other guy. That's so bad. Um, what's his name from? Uh, Biggie. Uh, no, no, no. The guy from NWA. What was his name? Uh, oh, the um. The guy who the guy who died. Easy. Um, Easy E. Thank you, yeah. dear Lord. That was bad. It's not my day. Woke today. up quick. At, oh, sorry. That's it at around noon. Jesse Kaler runs Elite Trading. Check him out there, Jesse. Uh, the next time we talk to you, um, we'll be Super Bowl yeah. champions. Stay blessed. Stay green. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a good one, Jesse. Thank you to everyone in the chat, to Tomo and Happy and everyone for Christian. Yeah, Easy E. Forgot, forgot the guy's name. AB just had to go answer the phone, but he's back now. So um, uh, I missed him, man. Uh, Anyway, it's 140. We got 20 minutes left in the show, and there's still a few things that were on our list to get to. So, first things first, uh, we did a crypto update. We did the Super Bowl squares. But yesterday, Aaron, we were going to talk about the seven stocks that Bill Ackman knows, uh, owns. 
<laughs> and um, we we didn't get around to it. We, we totally forgot. So can we do that right now? Yes. Okay. Let's pull up the seven stocks. And it, it's surprising the reason that it caught our eye was because you think, oh, Bill Ackman, big hedge fund guy, owns lots of stocks. Nope. Nope. Only has like seven. Yeah, and this isn't, uh, you know, that out there in terms of how some people manage money, right? If you recall, uh, a few years ago, it was Michael Cohen that had famously his, like, entire net worth in two stocks. It was Apple and Wells Fargo. No, that wasn't. Uh, or Michael Burry. It was either no, Michael no, Burry or no, Michael No, Burry. no, 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 Cohen. no. It was, uh, oh, Ryan Cohen? What did I say? You said, <laughs> said Michael Cohen. Who's Michael Cohen? He's Trump's lawyer. I meant what? What's his name? Ryan, Ryan Cohen, Ryan the Cohen. GameStop guy. Ryan Cohen, the Chewy guy. It was Apple and Wells Fargo, the Chewy guy. Ryan Cohen. Yeah, yeah. You knew who I was talking. About, I, I did. I a did. Cohen's a Cohen. I did, but you, you said Michael. Steve and Cohen, Michael Cohen, not, Ryan Cohen. Not the same. Anyway, Ryan Cohen. You're right. He owned two stocks. Yeah. All right. So here, and this is from HedgeFollow.com, which, as you can guess, uh, follows hedge funds. Um, Pershing Capital Management Holdings heat map lows. Uh, they own $2 billion worth of Lowe's. Chipotle, $2 billion worth of Chipotle. QSR, which is? Quick service restaurants, i.e. Burger King and uh, Tim Hortons are, are the two. So you can see between CMG and QSR, he likes that space. And DPZ, which is? Domino's. Domino's. Uh, HLT, which is? Hilton. Hilton. He likes, he likes hotels. He likes hotels. And that's, HHT. That's Howard Hughes Corporation. That's like an industrial. Okay. So what's missing from here is like everything else. Tech. Right? Yeah. Yeah, but but this is a hedge fund. Hedge funds Oh, and it says he's got Oh, well, nope. He sold all his uh hedge funds have one job. And that is to provide you hedging exposure to the to the rest of your portfolio in theory, right? So um that's Bill Ackman's job is to generate returns in all environments and to hedge against the broader movements of the market. Um, full disclosure now, these are his holdings as of the end of Yeah, this is in real time. Which the uh, third quarter you mentioned next week. Yesterday when yeah. is thirteen F day? Next week. We're gonna know the this table will be updated next week with his holdings as of the end of the year. This actually I think that is a bigger problem than like if you had a like if if I got to like prioritize all the, like the changes that that we can make to Wall Street, I would put uh, make hedge funds disclose trades in real time. I'd put that ahead of Congress if it were me. I would make like I don't know like the fact that we like because there there are there are thousands of hedge funds out there managing billions and billions of dollars making big trades every single day as opposed to like a couple hundred and uh, a couple hundred congress people who frankly like probably don't know i mean they they may know inside information but like they may they may not i would rather see what the whales are doing in real time or like maybe like on a like the next day but to, to have a 45-day grace period, a 45-day grace period. But then you're talking about these guys having even more influence than they already do. Exactly. Shelly's saying we could just copy. So if, if we all saw in real time that Warren Buffett just bought 
uh, McDonald's, and then we all go out and buy McDonald's, and it goes up five percent. And then he's like, "Oh shit, I just got the five percent return I was well, looking for." It wouldn't necessarily it wouldn't necessarily do that, but what it would do, I think, is it was it would give more transparency as to like why a, a big move already happened. So, for example, Viacom and Discovery last year, right? Uh, Bill Wang, um, uh, blew uh, Archegos, right? Blew up his fund. Uh, was had like 100 to 1 leverage on Viacom. And if you pull up the charts, you'll see it. And I remember the entire way up on Viacom. I'm, I'm going to bring up the chart right now. On Viacom, I was like, I don't understand it. This makes no sense. I, I had people, I had guests on the shows. They're like, I, I, don't, I don't get out of this. This move makes no sense. It turns out the whole reason for that move in Viacom was Bill Wang is like a gajillion to 1 leverage. Uh, and when he blew up, the stock collapsed. And we had no transparency in that because he was using swaps and derivatives to, to, to mask his position. If we had more transparency into what the whales were doing, that would prevent a Viacom situation. Like, it, it is not Viacom's fault that some, that some guy ha was levered, like, up to his eyeballs and then blew up his fund and crashed the stock, right? We need more real-time transparency. I think so... That, that that's my take. I I think if we got to see what the big fish were doing, not necessarily real time, but like closer to real time, that would be great. That's all I was saying. Well, I will say we've seen a move more toward that, at least in uh, maybe less hedge funds, more just fund managers in general, uh, because after Kathy Wood and Art kind of popularized that, a lot of other even like JP Morgan put out a uh, transparency, you know, whatever, where every single move is sent out uh, that night. But I, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that if there would be uh, consequences to that as well, if it, if in real time, every big move by, you know, Michael or not Michael Cohen, uh, Ryan Cohen or, yeah. or Warren Buffett or, um, Michael Burry was I, I, out there. Just think it's, and and they, they're not even required to, to disclose uh, options positions. Well, I think now they are. But they weren't before. There's, there's no transparency here. I think, like, I'd rather know what the big fish are doing than what Congress people may or may not be doing. But, again, they're both problems. They're, 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 it's, we, we, need, we need both things to change. But if, if you're up to me, if I was the king, I would say more transparency from the hedge funds than we – we crack down on on Congress tra trading stocks if they're me, but they're they're both issues. I'm not trying yeah. trying to say. Well, I, I was reading about it last night. What's interesting not. is um, so again the the idea of of um, banning congressmen and other lawmakers from trading stocks was yeah. once kind of just like a fringe issue on one side, and yeah. now you know there have been parties from both sides that have said, okay, this is this is a problem. Um, the guy from there's been a number of different lawmakers that have brought forth different bills and yeah well aoc came out and against it and we when she came out against it that was when i saw that i was like oh great that means it's gonna get no traction now she came yeah out exactly so it was a fringe issue for, for yeah. progressives and then so, some people you know uh obviously nancy pelosi's been like the biggest story from it but looking at this uh these are the members of congress that beat spy in 2021 this comes from our friend over at unusual whales um nancy pelosi is six so she's done very well but there are five other lawmakers who have done even better in terms of return 
Um, and yeah, I mean, there's some names probably because most of these names up at the top aren't that notable, other than Dan, Dan Crenshaw is pretty big, I patched dude. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it makes sense why Nancy Pelosi's probably because she's probably the most prominent figure on this list. Uh, Tommy Tuber, you know who that is, right? I mean, the fact that Tommy Tuberville is in Congress still blows my mind. Yeah, he's a football coach. <laughs> Guy's a football coach. <laughs> I mean, shoot, just goes to show you, uh, especially in the SEC, if you go to a school and you coach well enough, you're going to yeah. be pretty popular. He, did he even win that much? I don't even think he won that much. Whatever. And uh, No, I, I don't think so. He won election. That's what matters. But, yeah, uh, the main difference in a number of these bills is what then it allows. Um, some, some of the bills say that the elected officials should sell their stocks they hold already. Some don't go that far and just say, they shouldn't be able to buy more. Uh, they can buy into a blind trust, essentially. So, and that's what's kind of silly, though, is what if, if they do come to that conclusion that they can invest in a blind trust, but not like individual companies. Yeah, I mean, the blind trust is going to hold. Well, that's what that's what presidents do. Like the presidents, they have all their assets thrown into a blind trust. So why would that be the standard for presidents? Because it ma- life people? does not make sense. Yeah. Um. um yeah. I I can't even believe that Federal Reserve members were allowed to trade. When I found that out, I my mind was blown because like Congress people don't have the cachet to move the market. I mean, maybe a couple of them do, but most of them don't. But anything that a Fed governor says is liable to move the market. Anytime they open their mouth, they can move the market, and that kind of power, like, is is incredible to have they should i when i found out that they yeah. go fed, fed governors, how far can that go can federal reserve members like buy puts just well, well they can't well, they can't anymore they can't anymore but, but the, like, time, like, the fact that they could like blew my freaking mind i was like what are we doing here trading against your own power <laughs> what chance do i have anyway um that's a good question yeah Okay, so here's what. So we did the Bill Ackman thing. The bottom line is he owns seven stocks. We'll find out what he did last quarter yeah. next week. Food and value stocks. I mean, Lowe's, um, it, it, you know, Lowe's, Lo- Domino's, Lowe's, Pizza. Yeah, he's been he's been on Chipotle for a while. He's been on that Chipotle train for years. And Howard Hughes, he's owned Howard Hughes for a very long time. Um. So yeah, uh, you, you know what I miss? Bill Ackman uh, waged a several years long short campaign against Herbalife. Um, I miss those, like, activist short sellers that would, like, uh, how do I put this? I miss I miss when, comp- when these firms would, uh, like, these big hedge funds would make uh, public presentations. Like, short sellers make public presentations all the time, but I, I, I miss when, like, the big hedge funds, like the, the Ackmans of the world, would they would release these presentations about why a, a, a stock is a good long or a short. Like, yesterday, that firm uh, that, owned, that owns a piece of Peloton, and they've been advocating for, uh, for corporate change, for the CEO to step down and for someone to buy Peloton, they released their, present- their slide deck on Peloton and why... Why? Why the CEO has been doing a bad job, and why they need to like get some new blood in there? Why, and, they, and like, but I feel like hedge funds don't make those things public as much as they used to. I would love to see more like in slide decks from hedge funds, like, oh, this company sucks, or this company is amazing. Yeah, and I mean, 
I, maybe it's just like it looks different now. Like, like obviously with with Edwin Edwin Dorsey in the Bear Cave, he sends out a Substack to. Uh, yeah, but those are all like smaller. I miss when like the big guys would do it. Yeah, I, I miss when like Acme. I, I wonder if it's just different because Herbalife was so big and affected like Maybe. so many people that Maybe. it warranted it. I don't know. I also saw the headline, Corey, that the the, the T plus two to T plus one thing. Um, call me when the common period is over, and then and then we can talk about that because I imagine they're going to get a lot of feedback on that. So. Um, I don't even know what you guys are talking about. So this, there, there was a new rule proposed. You know how when you buy a stock, it this it doesn't settle for two days. Yeah. Right. There is a rule to shorten that to one day. Okay. So so when you buy a stock, it, the trade actually settles in your account the very next trading day. Which, you know what I thought? Be, which, uh, cool. which I don't know if we've discussed this on the show, um, but I, I I don't know why, but I've been going through this like kind of macro econ like rabbit hole recently. Yeah, I can tell. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's probably very annoying. But uh, you know that graph that everyone shows of like the M2 money supply or whatever that just M1, showed. I think it's M1. Or M1. Yeah. Um, well, there was a rule that was changed that made a bunch. Of, it was essentially all money that's sitting in any savings account in the U.S. used to not count toward M1 supply, and then they changed it toward it does. At that time, like the beginning of COVID, so it totally threw off the data. It, it wasn't as – you know, it's like we still added a lot of money to the money supply, 100%. Not as much as it would indicate, though. Exactly. Mm, I don't do it. Yeah. I know. It's been on my to-do list to look at to look at M1 money supply and, like, and like understand that for a long time. I haven't gotten around to it yet. Um, but anyway. Uh, hey, it's Wednesday. We do a guess that chart segment every single week. I don't know if we're going to have time to do it. Um well, we're not going to have time to do it tomorrow. Um, and I don't know if we're going to have time to do it Friday either. So do you want to do one right now? Yeah. Uh, you, you. I also played Wordle. I don't know if you have today. Uh, oh, actually, I I started and I didn't finish. Oh, wow. I, I'm, on, I'm on my second guess. It took me – well, it only took me four guesses, but I like spent a lot of time – I'm on my second Wordle guess right now. I have, a, I have a U in the right spot and I have O in the wrong spot, and that's all I know. So, um, well, let's do a guess that chart segment though. Uh, give me a minute here to find a chart to bring up. Wait, Herbalife is still a stock? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I thought once they were exposed as like a pyramid scheme, they just kind of. No, that's the thing. It's the beauty of the market. Is there a pyramid scheme and they're still a stock? Wait, they've had. It has to be different. No, no it's, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. I watched. I watched the documentary and I read the book. Oh yeah. Scott Wapner wrote a book about this called "When Wolves Bite." I think. Uh, it's all about the Bill Ackman, Carl Icahn, Herbalife saga. That's not what the movie's called. No, it's a it's a documentary. Um, I know, but I've seen it. But I, I know what's it called. I don't know what it's called. But Scott Scott Wapner wrote a book about this. Uh, it was pretty good, actually. It's a nice, easy read. A nice, easy betting week. on zero. Right, nice, easy weekend read. Because um, he was short in it. Herbalife's still around, man. Still a pyramid scheme. Still around. Kind of crazy, right? I wonder. I I would love to have someone on the show or like to just talk to someone who's actually shorted a stock to zero. Like been in it for the long run. Um, we can ask Whitney Tilson about that. Uh, he sh- he shorted, I think it was Lehman or Bear Stearns, and Ooh. he didn't cover for years. Like he didn't cover for like five years. 
after the fact. And he wrote about how hard it was. Oh, here, actually I actually have one more. To uh, cover his stock, to cover his short. We, we can go over analyst ratings. We only have five minutes left of the show, uh, Eric, right now. But tomorrow, well, we're live every day from 11.30 a.m. Eastern to 2 p.m. Eastern. Um, we can go over some analyst ratings tomorrow for sure. All right. I just don't think analyst ratings are like that great to go off of in terms of like what to buy, what to sell. Well, the thing is they don't – their importance changes with the market. If the market's super quiet and – Nothing's going on. Analysts will move stocks. But if there's a lot of shit going on right now, then analysts take it back. Soon. All right. Well, you're getting your guess the chart ready. Yeah. I'm going to show you this. This Doing comes right from uh, Twitter. This His handle is Chicago Advisor. Um, $10,000 invested in Monster 30 years ago would be worth $27 million today. I, I also saw that tweet. These are the historic declines you would have had to endure. So ask yourself right now, if you... Put maybe ten thousand or say just a thousand dollars into a stock. Would you be able to sit through some of these declines? No. Right off the bat, forty percent. Okay, then it comes back up, uh, back down to forty percent. Now you're down sixty percent. At one point, four years into your investment, you're down eighty-eight percent. So out of ten thousand, you're left with I don't know twelve hundred. You're left with twelve hundred dollars out of ten thousand. Then it comes all the way back, back down to fifty-six percent. Uh, even investing is hard. Is the bottom line? Yeah. All right. I have our guest that chart ready, but let, let me pull up a daily. Don't share my don't share my screen right now. I'm just gonna get it up just like that. Bada bing, bada boom. All right. This is uh, uh, Robin's asking, what will happen to Meta? I hold it for long term. I'm scared. Don't want to liquidate it, though. I would. I don't know. I mean, you can always trim a position. You don't have to go all one way or the other. You can always hedge it. You can always buy buy some long-term put options or sell some calls against it uh, to profit off of downside uh, if you're worried. I don't. I I haven't wanted to own this stock for. Yeah, I was gonna say. Years. Bottom line is, there are more interesting investment opportunities out there. Yeah, there are a lot of interesting investment opportunities out there. I, I, not Robin, one. if you're if you're losing sleep over this, then then sell then sell a piece. All right, all right. This is today's guest. That stock. Um, the hint is that they are on the earnings calendar. I'll give you a couple hints. They're on the earnings calendar for the, for this week. They they will report later on this week. Um, this is a stock that I sometimes forget is public. Um, it's been, it's, I think it's a relatively recent, I think like in the last five years they IPO'd. Um, let, let me give you, let, let me give you like the industry uh, that they're in. Because uh, uh, I, I, I'm not really sure how I would describe the industry. Um, I guess I would say it's like, it's like an internet company. Internet, if that makes sense. It's an, it's it's a digital content company, if that makes sense, if that's helpful at all. Let's go to the chat. First person who gets this wins some free swag. This one's a little bit tougher. Ooh, Jay Rice actually has a decent idea with Facebook too. Hold it, but use yesterday's low as a stop. It's not bad. So then you can ride the if it if it does reverse from here. Wow, Hex two fourteen pony nailed it. Did you cheat somehow? I feel like you must have cheated. I don't know how you. How, this is 
wait. How do you get Shutterstock? How do you get Shutterstock? It's such like a, a not talked about stock. SSTK. Anyway, congrats, Hex214 Pony. Uh, I think you've won before, but actually, I don't know if he's won before. Email us, shows at Benzinga.com. Wow. That was impressive. I'm very impressed. Um, email us, shows at Benzinga.com. Hey, guys, by the way, um, I've been saying this on pre-market prep, but if you see a fake Benzinga in the wild, please email us. Okay? Email us at... Uh, Scam reports at Benzinga.com. Also, check out Benzinga Pro. Seriously, do it. Pro.Benzinga.com. Free two-week trial for everything. Oh, Tiny Pie is accusing XT14. I don't know. Hey, Chaji says he got your hoodie yesterday and got his mug on Friday. Awesome. Wow. Great to see it. I guess sometimes swag does. Sometimes it does show up. Does show up. All right. Uh, also on uh, the roadmap, I, 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 I plugged it while you were gone. Oh. Yeah. No. Seriously, like the the after Super Bowl trade for stocks it ain't a thing. Well, for NFTs, it's gonna it's gonna happen. I'm calling it now. There will be crazy action on Monday in NFT land. But I don't know who's gonna get who, who has a commercial. The roadmap guys do. They're gonna talk about it right now. Coming up live after this show, we'll redirect to those guys. So we're off. We made it. Everyone have a great rest of your day. And uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Check out Benzinger Pro. Did you know nearly all stock price changes of 10% or more result from a single news headline? That's right. News headlines have a unique ability to drive stock prices up or down. These news catalysts create trading opportunities every day. All you need is a little help to reach out and take them. And if you're looking to grow your portfolio, it doesn't matter if your investment budget is small or big. An easy-to-read stream of news headlines will increase your opportunities to profit from price changes in the stock market consolidate a knowledge-based investment strategy, and grow your portfolio. All you need is Benzinga Pro and its powerful news alerts, price tracking, and portfolio monitoring to make a positive change in your trading performance. We've already helped thousands of retail traders across the world, and they could not be happier. Increase your market knowledge, boost your exposure to big movers, and make informed trades before major price changes. The opportunities are all around you. Subscribe now, and we'll skyrocket your portfolio today.